So what did you think of that slab of old school English thrash metal? Well, not English, UK thrash metal. No doubt it's a, it's a brutal slab, eh? I'm <laughs> looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, that was from our uh, member and veteran old school thrash metaler from up in Scotland. That was uh, Coke Finley's Virus from their new album, um, and you're going to have to help me pronounce it because I always get it wrong. Uh, Evolution Apocalypse. Evolution Apocalypse. Evolution Apocalypse, which came out. God, was it, was it round about when lockdown started? Uh, I think there was some kind of date changes. Yeah. There? there was some problems with the label, I believe, and it certainly only came out onto streaming fairly recently. But I think it. Yeah, we we did post a a, a song fair fairly well into lockdown didn't we yeah with the, the guest singer singer on it as well so yeah so um virus have been um sort of whipping up a bit of bit of business for themselves and, and good for them i think that you know every band struggling with not being able to tour and promote things correctly but um great to, to have permission to, to play some virus that tune was called force recon and there are that's kind of like for me that, that song was a bit like the middle ground. There's faster songs, there's slower songs, there's more melodic songs, and there's heavier songs and that. But if you like that song, chances are you'll go either way, forwards and backwards, left or right, and you should enjoy the rest of the album. Yeah, well, I, look forward, I look forward to hearing that. I certainly um, listened to some of the album before, and it, it certainly didn't it didn't disappoint at all. It was just mm. one, of those, one of those albums we've been blessed with so many thrash albums this year haven't we mm. and i and i think uh, we've been very lucky over in the uk anyway um i suppose we're getting a similar we're seeing a lot more of the uk based bands releasing stuff over here whether they travel it a bit like back in the old back in the day mm. do they travel in the digital age as well over in the over in the states over in south america over in europe possibly but are they getting the pushing from labels possibly not so this is where social media really comes into it isn't it and i mean and us being able to share a song if that can promote it not that the members listening it's going to be the people that are in the club really that are listening to this isn't it but yeah. hey it's it's sharing a, a decent thrash song yeah absolutely no problem with sharing all of that and uh thanks very much to mr finley for letting us um letting us share it so hope you all enjoyed that that was awesome and it stops me and you having that idle chit chat or awkward chit chat at the start of the start of the podcast. We can yes. play a bit of decent thrash like there with virus, and then we can just launch straight into the podcast. Straight People into the hear about hey, how's your week? Oh, how's your week? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not do that now. We got rid of the awkward, so we don't we don't need to do it now. But no, no. Um, right. So I guess we uh, better have a running order after that fabulous yeah. uh, song. So we have got the reaction to podcast forty five. We got an Eddie Van Halen tribute. We got Rob Alford's book review. A Reign of Fury. Don't know what it is really. Biop, I suppose. Um, we got some mentions. We got a T ninety. Uh, we got a special mental health post to to read out. We got a hit missile maybe from Death Angel. We got Thrash of the Titans, Slayer versus Testament, and then we've got what have you been listening to? And I think if we say as they always do, the members always come to the fore, don't they? And they, they say straight away what they're about the, the podcast and the comments coming up, but also give your thoughts on the virus song as well. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Definitely. 
definitely. So let's, shall we go on to, with our reaction to Podcast 45? So, uh, Tim Finch, thanks for discussing the Razor's Edge. Armoured Saint interview. They played Bloodstock in 2015 and did a full UK tour in 2017. Joey did tell me they didn't play Europe because the label and management kept telling them it wasn't worth it, which they, as a band, disagreed with. I have, in fact, checked this morning and they played Dynamo in 1989, which was their first European show, and they didn't hit the UK until 91 at the Marquee. So this was in relation to the Armoured Saint Razor's Edge interview. Yes, that's right. And I think I pointed out that they had never, t- they didn't come to Europe from something like 1986 to, you know, to whatever I said. Clearly, it was wrong because they played, they played Dynamo. But um, yeah, it's, I mean that was some. And just before we go back to management telling them it wasn't mm. right and who who makes the right decisions and how it would change now if. Would you would you put everything in the basket and head over to Europe now or head to America now? Playing, it's a it's a little bit and it and it isn't a little bit like. But if you're a pro- promising footballer, rugby player, and you're working really hard and getting a name for yourself within the domestic league, and you get the opportunity to go abroad to develop your skills mm. and to and to learn cultures, it's very it's, it's not the same as that. But why would you not do that? Mm. You'd, you'd better yourself. You'd better better you you know the, the, the whole kind of thing you're learning your mm. skills everything but similarly with a band as well if you can get out of that that kind of local regional scene and be able to get over abroad be able to go to places that, that surely I'm, and i'm not in a band so it might people in bands would be if they are out there listening to this, would be going, well, yeah, of course you'd want to go abroad. Of course you'd want mm. to go places. But it's not always as clear cut as that, is it? Yeah. Is it more hassle when you go abroad? Do you like that comfort of staying at home? I don't know. But mm. certainly back in the day when Thrash was exploding. Well, um, well I mean, look at Violence. There was that interview with Violence and they said Sean Killian has only recently realised that when they were back in the day with Eternal Nightmare and Oppressing the Masses, it was going, we had no idea we were this big over in Europe. If we did, we would have got on the plane our bloody selves and come over. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it was a little bit more difficult to gauge back then what the actual reaction is. Because I suppose it is a big investment to shift over six or seven guys with a couple of crew members over to Europe. And then you've got to house them, feed them, water them, and they've got to play shows. You know, that takes a lot of faith that, yeah. People are going to come out, and at that point, would they have done? Don't know, but interesting. Um, Paul Hutchings, uh, and this is in relation to how long John Bush was in Anthrax. So we've got the, the SP. Not to open any wounds, but John Bush's stint in Anthrax lasted from 1992 to 2005, and then a return from 2009 to 10, where he sang at Sonosphere, uh, with the band in a great show where I ended up in a mosh pit with the first paras, much to my alarm as I got bounced around by from beefcake to beefcake. Um, some excellent pronunciations once more. Grand Magnus, who are they? I'm sure I didn't say that. Hope Carl enjoys the Anathema album. As Robbie said, it's an album of sublime quality. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. So, uh, so quick mathematics. Oh God, this is awful, isn't it? Magnus, Magnus Magnuson. No. Um, <laughs> so, thirteen years John Bush was in uh, was in Anthrax, and then one more year when he came back. So we were sort of like saying eight, ten years. Yeah, so, 
we were half a decade out from there. Um, Long enough to, to, again, without opening up any wounds, the the Bush, the Belladonna debate, long enough to well establish um, his legacy, wasn't there? Oh, definitely, definitely. There's some great songs and some interesting albums, and it's funny, isn't it, that this is going to be interesting. I've just thought of this right now, State of Euphoria, classic out right in the middle of when thrash was massive and everywhere some say on the decline but commercially it was huge in 89 anthrax is a big release from the big four didn't get into the hall of fame if we feature a john bush album that gets into the hall of fame what does that tell us it puts the argument to bed (laughs) it's unbelievable (laughs) unbelievable, wouldn't it so that's an interesting one um, and I'm sure I didn't... I think it would be great. I think it would be really good because there's going to be a lot of people... I'm imagining there's a lot of people that uh, aren't quite as familiar with the Bush era as they are with the Belladonna era. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Um, you know, and those that haven't heard We've Come For You or, or Sound... Maybe maybe they've heard Sound of White Noise because it was so sooner after, you know, mm. Persistence of Time when they were still maybe on board with Anthrax. But uh, certainly We've Come For You All, which... If that was in, you know, I, I know personally I'd score it highly, but would people give it the chance? I think it would be great to do it as an experiment, but, mm. you know, that it's, it's not about experiments, is it? It's uh, what the random album generator throws up. Yes, and let's see what it does. And I'm sure I didn't say that about Grand Magnus. I didn't mean it because I do know who Grand Magnus were. I'm, think, I'm sure it must have been that B. Lake or whoever it was. Um, um, oh, Stuart's Inquiry. Stuart's Inquiry. Henry Jones. Yes, yeah, speak to that later. And um, so, and always remember, don't, was it, don't say what, don't listen to what I say, listen to what I mean, or whatever that expression is. Um, Andrew Matthews, love the Cerebral Invasion tune. Also love the awkward chit-chat at the beginning. Please keep it in. Good fun as always, guys. Hope Robbie enjoys the Idols album. Not thrash, more shouty punk, but love them. Uh, you didn't choose a new D'Andrado year, though. Keep up. The passable work. Passable. Passable. Yeah, no, that's take passable. Quite happy with that. So we didn't, we, we um, didn't, we got so excited, we didn't do a Happy New Year, did we? We didn't, but we did do it afterwards when we realised, didn't we? And Andrew being one of four or five people that commented on the Cerebral Invasion tune, they were the band that started off the mm. podcast last week where we, Opened it up with a bit of music, which was fantastic. So Cerebral Invasion, you have Paul Hutchins, Andrew Matthews, uh, Neil Brannigan, Fuller, and Mel Campbell all commenting about um, how good it was to have a bit of music at the start, and they certainly thought it was decent stuff. So that was really cool to get that on there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and we did do it properly with the D'Andrado years, and we we done it together, and it's probably the best part of the podcast no one ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, great. <laughs> great going backwards and forwards, but uh, yeah, cerebral invasion out there to be listened to. Really cool, really cool. Now I've just noticed I've lobbed off the uh, the person who sent this um, sent the next comment. So apologies, who that is, whoever whoever it is. I will find out. Um, but they is it not Kev Testaresta? It might. Is it might be Testaresta? I apologise. Yeah, he was talking about ST albums for quite a while. I kind of engaged in a bit of conversation about it so i think it might be him okay so he said the idea of a vote for st albums could be quite revealing 
They're one of those bands which have a varied back catalogue, and it would be interesting to see a league table of how the albums fare. I certainly thought World Gone Mad was a great album, and I would rank it around about fourth overall. So it would be quite interesting. Could work quite well with a few other bands who have uh, who have uh, for who have been going for ages and have had a few peaks and troughs, shall we say, or the likes of Prong, Flotsam and Jetsam, Creator, etc. I'm I'm wondering if that's Kevin Adamson now. Actually, now you said that because okay. he he commented about Well Gone Mad. Okay. Um, yeah, and I thought that it was interesting. He thought it was a great album. Um, we were talking about the recent album. Me saying that I thought there was probably two or three songs on it that weren't that, that were very good. Mm. But there was there was a bit of filler on it. So I I'm, I think that was Kevin Adamson. If it's not Kevin, my apologies. Yeah. But, uh, I'm no, sure it is. It, it's my fault. You shouldn't be apologising. I've lobbed off the name and I've cropped it down. But um, the, uh, development coming soon uh, is that will be a plausible feature. Um, what I didn't want was um, to throw, right, rank all the albums, and that would be just a nightmare to uh, administrate. You get 10 posts with all different um, all different uh, combinations of where they are. Spreadsheet, but that even for you would have been too much. It would have been too much. The wine would have taken over, and it would have been, uh, it would have been an absolute mess. However, I've investigated some Google Forms technology, and I think we can do it using that to take out a lot of the hard work. The only thing it will mean... Uh, and I've tested it. We've tested it on some um, some guinea willing pigs. some some human guinea pigs, as St once said, and they've uh, come up trumps. We had nine responses, so that was brilliant, um, and it, it worked. Essentially, it worked. Um, the the product at the end that it spits out that's uh, on the spreadsheet, I can work with and just jiggle around and, and get us um, get us some sort of. Um, plausible and workable results from that so i could say the only thing is it's going to take us away from the safety of facebook and into a google form so as long as members are happy to do that it's you don't need to put any details you don't need to log in it's not password protected you can't look at any other persons they can't look at yours it's fairly secure fairly safe well very safe and it just takes you away from Facebook. And I just hope members don't mind that. Well, we may get a few that don't take up on it, but, mm. you know, that's absolutely their, their, their prerogative, isn't it? Yeah, so absolutely. We'll still get a fairly decent showing, I'm sure. Yeah, but we'll, we will try it out. And now we've got to – because I thought this could be expanded into things like um, ranking album tracks as well. Yeah. So yeah. that could be uh, certainly a feature – that we go forward and do you want to do st first as well it's been suggested hasn't it so we could either do st or let's have a vote let's, no, let's no. not have a vote um, <laughs> we, i mean st would be good because they've got quite a quite a strong early back catalogue anyway haven't they right up till well the art of rebellion possibly yeah. some say didn't not not including that but from Kev there saying well gone mad as well but those you know certainly how will I laugh and feel like shit and join the army and the, the, the debut it'll be interesting to see where they rank so I think let's go with ST let's go with ST okay yeah, why not? I will put that together and then we'll have to think of a, uh, a date time and uh, to post it so but also what would be good would be the likes of bands that don't maybe get the prominence that you know st whilst it, i think they'd be the ideal candidate for for this in terms of the, the variety of their 
back catalogue from the punky hardcore crossover right up to the thrashy stuff and then the kind of funky see funky do mm-hmm. you know, stuff. I think there'd be bands like maybe like Prong, you know, mm-hmm. bands that really have a have a place in the kind of heavy music that we all listen to. Or the but but quite a varied um that that may sorry, not varied, but just don't get the other than from Dylan Jones every week, but don't get the don't get the kind of um, sh- showing in the club. Maybe you know there, there's bands like them that this this could be an interesting feature for. Definitely, definitely, we can um, certainly see what what uh, kicks up from it and see where it goes, see where it evolves. But I think ST would be a good one to start with. Okay, let's that's that's agreed then. So, and then maybe have a look at some of the other bands that could really yeah. Um, yeah, get more of a show in. Awesome. So, uh, Kev Testaresta, great listen. Really enjoyed the ST comments. If the podcast goes on long enough, I think ST will have a bona fide chance of becoming a five-time Hall of Famer with suicidal tendencies, join the army, how will I laugh tomorrow when I can't even smile today, controlled by hate, feel like shit, deja vu, lights, camera, revolution, all deserving a place in the eight-plus category. In fact, Taking a tangent, it would be an interesting discussion to see if any of the so-called Big Four would get five of their albums into the uh, Hall of Fame. 1994 is an interesting year. Not a classic for me in terms of depth, but definitely a top three of what Annie then says his top three, which we will get on to later. So thanks to that, Kev. So there's an interesting... We, we, we talked about ST ranking the albums. What about who would get a uh, a five plus hall of famer from the big four very well, interesting it, question it is i mean you, if you're looking at classic well just straight across the board you'd have to say that obviously you know metallica would get in wouldn't they with the the first four albums that they'd, they'd be in would the black album get in so you know anything after the black album would would death magnetic get in Mm. reload would reload I don't think they would because there's so much hate for them so I think Mm. out of all the big four I think Anthrax would certainly get in like we were saying earlier we've come Mm. to you all um, Sound of White Noise I think they'd be in there then you've got Spreading the Disease you've got Persistence of Time State of Euphoria didn't get in um, yeah Slayer Slayer would wouldn't they I think Slayer possibly would yeah I think uh, Shadow of Mercy, um, Hell Awaits, Rain of Blood, South of Heaven, and Seasons of the Abyss would all get in. I think Divine Intervention possibly could. I think it would be a close one. I think that would be a close show, but I reckon that could get in. Um, but then you've got stuff like Repentless, and I think if people listen to that on merit, I think that it's a banging album. Mm. I think that would get in. Well Painted Blood as well. Fantastic yeah. stuff. Definitely. I mean, they all take good shouts, but whether they get in or not, I don't know. But I can, I would seriously hazard a guess that the first five Slayer albums would get in. Yeah. And, and then Megadeth, I mean, a lot of people talk, I mean, that first album, um, I I think it's okay. I think that might be a close call, a bit like State of Euphoria. Yeah. But then after that, Peace Sells, So Far So Good, Rust in Pieces, I think that they will obviously get in. Would. Um, would Symphony of Destruction get in? Mm. Countdown to Extinction. Countdown to Extinction, yeah, sorry. I always uh, that for many it would, yeah. It rated quite highly in the yeah. 92 year, didn't it? Yeah, it that is true. Andrade, so I think it would for many, but then you're looking at... I don't think any albums after yeah, that would come... I don't know. 
I don't think any albums after that one would get in, to be honest. But then Dystopia fairly recently, that was a strong album. So I think, mm. again, if people who lost touch with Megadeth, as in haven't followed their careers, you know, discography since the likes of Rust in Peace, then they might kind of um, think, mm, I'm not, I wouldn't vote vote it highly but then if you listen to it in its entirety you, you might change your mind again but then there's so many other bands that are just lurking below that big mm-hmm. definitely like overkill overkill could be up there with, you know again if people who aren't that familiar like me you know i love i love horoscope and i like some of the early stuff but overkill surely they, they could they could be nearly double figures with uh, hall of famers could be. It could be uh, you know exodus as well mm-hmm absolutely it's an interesting question so great one there kev i think that's a great shout um then we got lod black uh now he was he's the main man from cerebral invasion isn't he so uh thanks a lot for your support and i'm glad that you liked our song our next song will be released on halloween it's called brainwashed into madness and we have something completely different than pure insanity for all you and more old school thrash i promise you guys will hear it first it's an amazing podcast and i'm proud to be part of this thrash club keep up the great work and huge respect for the passion everyone has for thrash that's fantastic it's really good to have people like lord involved that are over in they're in germany aren't they yeah and, um, you know, to be in a band that are operating over in Germany, it's great to have them on board. So it'd be great if we do hear some more stuff. And it's um, Henning as well, who was in Bloodvale. Bloodvale, yeah. You know, he came on board and we mm. played one of his songs in Hit Miss or Maybe. Yeah. He didn't disappear. He's been active in the club ever since. And it's, you know, it's great that we, we've got musicians in the club from all around the world and, and that are actually taking part. So it's yeah. um, it's really good to hear some of the stuff. And let's get that uh, brainwashed into madness. We might do that. If they get a YouTube video for that, should we do that for a hit missile maybe as I well? Think so, yeah. Definitely. Cool. And then just rounding off the podcast reaction, Melanie Campbell, um, thank you very much for the video, well, photographic evidence of Mrs. Goggins and um, Post, it's not Postman, Pat, it's Pat Clifford um, having a bit of How's Your Father? Well, has he just not fallen over and accidentally landed in the, as Anthrax used to say, the, the lower abdominal area of Mrs. Goggins there? He's, he just seems to have maybe landed awkwardly. Uh, you say that, I think he's licking her minge. That's what I'm thinking from the look of that and the expression on Goggins' face. She's loving it. We can't see Postman's Pat's face, but he's buried. He's, she's thrown her arms in the air, hasn't she? Yeah, and waving them around like she doesn't care, I think. So uh, that is photograph photographic evidence that something was going on. That is as good as, as evidence you're going to get, isn't it? The case is shut. If this was a criminal court, they'd be banged to rights, the pair of them. Banged to rights. Banged to rights. So thanks for, 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 for bringing that to my attention uh, Melanie it's um, it's something I can't unsee so there you go great thank you thank you so let's go completely 360 I think this is the way this podcast is going to go it's going to ebb and flow like this um, let's talk about um, Mr Eddie Van Halen yeah um, if you can compose yourself for a minute um uh unfortunately when was it was it monday or tuesday the beginning of of last week uh eddie van halen sadly passed away um not really obviously not really thrash metal but a lot of members obviously have great affection for the for his playing and he is hugely respected and he i mean just a fantastic player that he is too 
unfortunate obviously we knew it was kind of coming though i think he's, he's been suffering with cancer for a long while the one thing i always think about eddie van halen though is i i have a cousin who is a brilliant guitarist he's absolute virtuoso he's just incredible guitar player and i can always remember him citing um eddie van halen as a huge influence of his so i i can remember a lot of the guitar driven songs and yet their Van Halen's biggest one is all keyboard driven where, you know, like jump is basically a keyboard lick, isn't it? You know, and everyone goes, Oh yeah. People that weren't in the know were saying things like, cause they obviously crossed over at that point and they're saying things like, um, Oh, Eddie Van Halen, great keyboard player. Well, hang around. No, he's not a keyboard player. He's a fucking guitarist. What are you talking about? You know, he's got some, you know, eruption. Have you not heard that? And people like look at your days going, what eruption? No, it's like, Jesus Christ. That's the, one of the best guitar solos put down on, on vinyl. What are you talking? You know, jump is that's not what he does. You know, that's just a song that he plays. It's, and that always kind of embittered me slightly that people were like, Oh yeah, he's a, he's a, a great keyboard lick on jump. Well, no, that's not what it's about. But if you're going to be remembered for a song and you get remembered for, I mean, he's going to be remembered for a whole lot more than just jumping, isn't he? But yeah. when you watch that video, this clearly was made for the kind of video generation of, you know, music videos in mm-hmm. the 80s, wasn't it? They all look like they're having a real yeah. time, don't they? Um, and that's the thing I've noticed recently. I'm watching a lot of these videos that have come up on YouTube or on Facebook in the light of um, Eddie's passing. Uh, it always looked like he... He was having a fantastic time on stage, always so comfortable. Now, there's obviously going to be times that are going to you know, go against that and he, he probably didn't want to play or he, for whatever reason, wasn't happy. But the videos I've seen, he always played with a smile on his face. Definitely. I think he loved the playing. I, I think I, if I'm wrong, I apologise, but I don't think he got on with David Lee Roth and it was another one of those things that... Um, I think it was actually Gene Simmons, wasn't it, that he said... I can't get on with David Lee Roth. I'm going to break this ball. I'm going to leave. We're going to boot him out or something like that. And Gene Simmons said, no, don't do that. You know, come and work for me. I'll work with David Lee Roth and you and basically got their album all up together. Because I think, isn't there a weird story where Van Halen were playing the club circuit and they were like a, a covers band and all the rest of it. And they kind of realized that you know, this, this could be a big concern. And it was something like, was it a cornflake company or like a Hoover company or something like that said, we'll finance your album if you give us a cut in whatever you make. 
but we need it like this and we want sort of like cover versions on it. And there was some kind of weird thing where they went like, no, nah, that doesn't, but it's the only deal we got. And it was when Gene Simmons stepped in and said, don't do that. Come and work for me. Interesting. So for once, Gene Simmons did, Gene Simmons did the, the decent thing and, and they were no longer the, the cornflake mm. or Rice Krispie band that they could have become and they he got them on the right track yeah i think someone needs to patch that together for me but i'm, someone sh- will. I'm, I'm sure one of the regulars please 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 and i always think the great mark of the man is that uh, classic uh, guitar that he had on the i think it's the first album isn't it that's now belongs to dimebag daryl and he he is buried in his coffin with him i think that's such a classy touch it really is yeah. class you, you can't buy that. That's great. Um, uh, members have gone. Uh, number one, Robbie Mansing, one of the first bands that got me into heavy rock and metal. While the band may have later got overly commercial for my tastes, the first album will always remain a classic and playlist fave. I think that's it. it like I said, I never really got into them, but they kind of stuck with because they they had good credentials, didn't they? They had mm. decent. They, they were they were good music i mean motley crew are good musicians you know poison are good uh, hang on a minute no, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know they know how to play but they've got the they've got the the credentials haven't they van halen and they they wrote decent stuff that was like robbie says there uh, it will always remain a classic it was a classic it will remain a classic and for that reason it will always stay on his playlist psychob may not have been the biggest fan of the band, but you can't deny the massive influence and sheer joy of Eddie Van Halen. His skills and innovation were revolutionary. Revolutionary is a good word, isn't it? There's mm. Many people can be seen or talked about as guitar gods or mm. guitar heroes. There, there, there's many that are that we know of you know you could you could reel them off and i won't even bother but then there's those ones that are in bands that we all love that we think are wonderful but i think eddie van halen was kind of at the almost like the the the, the tip of those those guitar mm. gods that we often talk about wasn't he revolutionary in his style and what he played definitely um i so heard I, I heard a, a very nice bit of interview from brian may on the radio two rock show uh, obviously commemorating the, uh, the the death of Eddie Van Halen. And he was saying about how Van Halen toured Europe with Black Sabbath and Tony Iommi was side stage with Brian May and both of them were going, this this kid's unbelievable. He's he's incredible. Um, and that's two guitar players and no one or two things, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> that's, it's always nice when you hear these guitarists talking fondly of each other as mm. well, aren't they? Definitely, it's not like a. I'm sure there was bitterness. I'm sure there was jealousy, but it's always nice when. Well, well, Brian, well, Brian May said he hadn't seen anything like it since Hendrix, really. So that just that's quite a compliment, isn't it? I think it'll be interesting the Google suicidal tendency thing we did earlier that, that we were talking about earlier to mm. you know to have ten guitarists, the likes of Satriani, Steve Vai, oh, okay. Tony Iommi. <clears throat> Gary Moore, um, mm. Brian May, Eddie Van Halen, and just mm. to see where people would rate them. It, it would be interesting because I always think they're the kind of, and there's going to be others, aren't there? That, mm. I, think we, we, I, I think we've got a bit of a Do problem. With... Age. Sorry, go on. No, no, I'm just reeling them off as, as I'm thinking of them, you know, kind of the likes of, of Jimmy Page. Yeah. And, you know, but 
Well, I I think we've got a bit of a problem in the regards that thrash metal has always had two types of guitarists. I mean, you've got the shredders who can really, really play in solo, and they obviously have their place. But then you've got the riffers as well, who are just as important, if not more so. Um, that if you can really riff, then you know there's some of the rhythm guitar is almost more important than the lead. So you, I think there, there's almost two two of those in there. For, you know, the riffers and the shredders, definitely. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily thinking of thrash metal. I was just, I mean, because Eddie Van Halen's not thrash metal. I was just thinking within rock music, mm. you know, as it is. It's, but I, I totally hear what you're saying. You know, like the, the, the riff is so vital, isn't it? To, yeah. Not necessarily to the to the um, to the lead in, mm. in, in a lot of these songs. You know, if you've got a chunky riff going along, you might not always need that lead. Definitely, Chris Cleo, the man changed the world. Nuff said. Yeah, enough said. I think that eruption, that tapping on the uh, on the fretboard, there is. I can't remember anyone doing that before. I mean, I don't think Hendrix ever used to do that. I mean, he used to do some pretty wild stuff, but having it played at that speed and and that is very innovative, isn't it? And then Cat Cantley, an amazing guitarist and an inspiration to millions of players around the world. 1984 was the first Van Halen album I heard. My older brother was a fan, and it remains an album I still listen to to today. Thank you for the music, Eddie Van Halen. There you go. Again, a bit like Robbie Mansing. It remains a classic, and he still has it on the playlist. Mm-hmm. remains a classic album for Cat, and she still plays it to this day, so that's it made such an impression. So they never used to tour that much over here. I think the last time they played over here was actually supporting Bon Jovi on like a stadium tour. Right, okay. And I don't think they had done, and that was in the well in the 90s, mid-90s maybe. Um, and again, it was this a case of, I mean, they were always huge out in America, weren't they? I mean, massive stadium fillers. Um, never that over here, really. They couldn't really... Um, they couldn't really have a, a stadium show of their own, but I am almost sure that there was download or some a festival must have wanted them to come over, and for one reason or another, they didn't. But I think if Eddie, if Van Halen had come over and done a certainly a one-off in London, that would have been the hot ticket. That would have twenty-two thousand people would have sold out. Absolutely, I think they played a fairly small venue. Uh, with David Lever off, I'm, I'm going to say, and someone will pick us up on it, uh, five years ago. And oh, really? Yeah, quite a small venue. What, ridiculously like, small, so that you couldn't yeah, get a ticket? Yeah, okay. I'm sure of it. Uh, I only remember it because I remember the review, and David Lever off was wearing one of those kind of, um, like a French beret hat and dungarees or something, and mm. he... he I really can't remember where it was, but it was. It certainly wasn't a Wembley Arena. I'm sure it was like smaller than a Brixton size, or like yeah, a even smaller. I'm thinking it's a, cl- a small club show, and wow. it was probably the first time they played over here in a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. It was always a big thing that they never really, they never really toured over here for one reason or another. So yeah. Okay, so Bon Voyage, Eddie Van Halen, and thanks for the music. We will be listening to some, and I think some uh, guys from the What Have You Been Listening To, the, I think there's a few mentions of uh, Van Halen. I'm sure there. there will be. Right, let's move on to another rock legend, Mr. Rob Alford and his book. Bit of speed reading been going on. Yes. Now, I did say to Andrew Matthews, this is obviously his feature, but I know he's tucked up reading those um, 
aviation books and absolutely there's that you know you can't can't take that away but um Paul Hutchings has, has, has come off the bench and stepped up and he's read the Rob Alford book. And so he just asked and I said, yes, and Andrew Matthews is completely happy with it. So um, if you've read a book and you want to review, let's, let's get it on, I say. Let's get it on. So what did he say? Do you want to read it or do you want me? Go on then, I'll read it. I, I, I feel like we need to balance out the... Balance uh, out the force, mate. Go on. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Paul Hitchens for this speed reading book review. <laughs> he dominated the second city and areas at the time. The inspiration for Metal Gods on British Steel, Halford describes a grim environment but, but a solid, loving upbringing in the opening chapters. You can almost feel the soot on your skin. So these are little extracts from uh, Paul Hutchins' review. So... That is interesting, isn't it? That I've heard this before that they reckon heavy metal was born in the Midlands because of that environment, all the steel mills and whatnot, and the yeah. and the industry pounding away. Well, it's very similar to the the guy from Voivod away yeah. that used to write all the uh, draw all the artwork in in his head. It's because he grew up in the logging town where all the uh, you know all the factories were spewing out all the smoke and the. The, the, the mills and, and it's very similar to this isn't it it's going to do something to you isn't it it's going to huge industrial sounds as the book progresses Halford continues with the accounts of his increasing sexual frustrations and the challenges he continued to face the events that culminated in his accidental departure from Priest the solo project with Fight the industrial project 2WO and Halford his return to Priest and his joy at securing long term love of course, there is a bit about famous coming out interview and the incredible relief it bore. Mm. Now, this is this is interesting because I always think, again, you know, it's obviously very difficult at that time for Ralph Alford to say he was an openly gay man at at such a time in the eighties and everything. And I always liked Judas Priest, but one thing I always like about, and I have to say that being gay is none of my business do you know what i mean i don't think everyone's like oh yeah if you're gay you should come out well i don't think that's particularly true if you want to if you don't want to it's your business and if you want to if you want a private life that's completely private you keep it private there's i've not a problem with that at all that's 100 you're right of course but with, you know with metal music in general i always think that it's honest do you know what i mean 100 percent honest and i wasn't thinking that that um rob alford was being dishonest by not saying he was gay you could just tell, or I don't think you could tell, but it was like he was um, he was obviously living that lie that so many gay people had to go through at that time to stop this kind of prejudice against him, against uh, you know gay people at that time. But when he did come out, it was sort of like I, I love Judas Priest even more now because they are there's there's no there's nothing there. There's it's hundred percent transparent now, and. Rob Alford is just absolutely killing it still. It doesn't make a blind bit of difference, does it? It doesn't at all. And I think, I mean, obviously it was a big, big deal for, for Rob mm. coming out. Of course it would be. But like you, as a, as a fan, not one blind bit of no. difference to me. Absolutely. It's still the music. It's, it's them, the band, the music. And mm. um, yeah, it's, um, Definitely. I wonder if it, the only thing that I did, did mention or I did think was that um, a little bit dodgy when he started to look like Mr. Trebus, if you remember who Mr. Trebus was, round about the Notre Dame's phase of, of Judas Priest. No, I don't know Mr. Trebus. So Mr. Trebus was, uh, he was a 
Polish Jew, I believe, who lived over here, and he had everything taken from him by the Nazis back in the day. He was an old guy, and he lived in a house in the middle of London somewhere, um, and he never threw anything away. He oh, kept... hang on. This was on one of those, wasn't it, on some TV show yeah. about 10 years ago, and he just kept everything. He was a bit of a hoarder. A hoarder, complete, you know, yeah. piss, yeah. shit, newspapers, toenail clippings, motorbikes from 1960, whatever it was, he just kept. And he didn't throw anything away, and he was having rows with the council, and there was this really nice council guy who was pleading with him to, can we please tidy up your garden because there's rats everywhere. He's going, rats in Buckingham Palace, go stick it up your chuffer like that. He was getting really <laughs> on right with him. And Rob Alford, I don't know whether he took that as a bit of an inspiration for the kind of look that he had during the Nostradamus run. Okay. You know, sort of like a sort of weird sort of grisly beard and hunched over. Well, he certainly did in the stage presence because when I saw them on that Notre Dame with uh, Megadeth and Testament at the Wembley, I think it was 2009 or 8, I think he just stood there for about 20 minutes at the start of the, just hunched over with a huge, he had a a huge hood on and a big cloak and you couldn't see his face. It could have been one of the crew actually while Rob was backstage having a rest. Having a rest. Or it could have been Mr. Trebus. It could have well been him, yeah. Slightly Park Gordon was the last bit. <laughs> Written with a refreshing honesty, there are parts you would like to know a bit more about. The KK departure and even his confused exit from Priest are a little light on detail, but apart from that, there is plenty to enjoy. The warts and all descriptions about the years of Hidden's homosexuality are clearly cathartic, and it's lovely to know that when he's in home in Holt in Phoenix... Alfred and partner Thomas spend most of their time doing simple things. And yes, this is a band that... A spinal Tap, yes. Sorry, that's my fault. Love that off the end. The Spinal Tap were inspired by or, or right, based yeah. upon, wasn't it? Um, yes. It's always interesting with band members going. Certainly the KK departure was quite public, wasn't it? I, I think KK's had a few kind of nibbles at Judas Priest and, and stuff in the past, hasn't he? And I think because it is so public, you kind of you don't know where you who to believe or what to believe, do you? No, no. It's and who knows what the band politics are, um, but you know, I, I think that's it, that's intriguing. That's a that's a that's a good book review there because it's wanting me to investigate this book even further. And I believe someone did mention that he reads the audio book as well. Oh, Rob Alfred, oh, that's fantastic. And yeah. yeah, definitely would like to have a listen to that. So uh, like I say, um, Howard H. Smith said, um, I'm going to read, I think it might have been about this book. He did actually say on his last podcast, he was going, um, yes, I will read that book when I find time. I, oh, he accidentally went, I'll listen to that book. No, I don't listen to it. I'm not one of those lazy cunts that listen to audio books. I'll read the book. I'm not a lazy cunt, but I am a lazy cunt and I am listening to it. So that's that. Yeah, Andrew Matthews, speed reader himself, speed reading writer as well. He yeah. said, that's a great review. Wanted to get this even though I'm not a huge Judas Priest fan. I find him an intriguing character. Good work, mate. Yeah, definitely. I don't think uh, you have to be a Judas no. Priest fan to really find this story quite interesting. Yeah, it's a, I mean, just everything from his, from his growing up right up to, obviously, the problems he's had to deal with and the, the coming mm -hmm. out. and just I think people always have a bit of fascination with what people do. And, that, and where, where Paul talks about 
um, when he's at home in Phoenix with his partner Thomas, they spend most of their time doing simple things. I think things like that are quite interesting mm. to know as well, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, definitely. When the when the metal garb comes off, yeah. what, what what happens? You know, and definitely, I, I think he's been living in Phoenix for quite some time now. I remember seeing some interviews in the eighties, late eighties, around the painkiller stuff, and it was all this is my home in Phoenix. This is where I'm doing this, that, and the other. So I think he's obviously quite settled, and, and yeah. it, that's great because um, you know Rob Alford is a is a is a thrash slash metal national treasure not like a national treasure like the old cunt bag is that is uh mary berry who's now a fucking Sorry. dame did you hear dame that mary berry. dame oh, mary berry mary i mean berry. what the uh, did she want services for being a cunt bag that's what she got that for me arise sir cunt bag that's what that is george nisbet i'm about a third of the way through it's pretty good read so far i've also ordered kk's book it should be interesting oh now this is going to be good now george if you read KK's book, please can you do a review for us and we'll stick it up here because that would be good to get the other end, wouldn't it? How about it would be, but how about also, I'm sure Mary Berry's got an autobiography, Carl. Would you read that? Maybe uh, do a review on the site? Uh, yeah. Is it, what's it called? The Dawn of the Cunt Bag. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it's called. Thank you very much, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Great review. Uh, I look forward to all of that. So we had sort of like a semi-new feature, didn't we? We did. It came about as a result of the members' questions, really, and then also the fact that Death Row won through on the Omnium, yeah. whereas Rain of Fury came in second place. But it was also, okay, well, we don't want to lose sight of this band, Rain of Fury. They're a popular band in the club. Let's learn a little bit more about them. So we tasked Gareth Pugh mm-hmm. with writing a introduction to Rain of Fury. He was passionate about them in the Omnium. Mm-hmm. He was passionate in other other features where they've come up. So Gareth went to it and he wrote a fantastic piece talking about Rain of Fury, really. It was a couple of short paragraphs that just go, well, a couple of short, fairly detailed paragraphs into where to start with Rain of Fury. A beginner's guide. Yeah, so Gareth stated, he said, definitely on the more melodic end of thrash scale, Rain of Fury are a hugely hugely talented and excited UK band, which I think more group members should at least be introduced to, and up until now, released... So yeah, I can't, I'd abbreviated that. So he went on, to, went on to say he released, you know, they released all the albums, but it's yeah. it's more of a, um, you know, that they're a talented UK thrash band on the more melodic side. Yeah, and... Um, he said, unfortunately, it isn't all good news, though, because the three albums and one EP, the band have undergone various member changes. But probably the most significant is that earlier this year, Bison announced his departure. But on the good news side, the remaining Reign of Fury members are still very positive, and hopefully they can find someone to fill those massive shoes. So I'm not, I'm, I obviously don't know a lot about Reign of Fury. Bison is the singer, isn't it? I believe he is, yeah. He okay, was. so Frontman has been changed. Or, or about to compiling the the songs for the for the post. I did watch a few songs, and he certainly had a. I, I, don't, I don't know quite. I certainly don't know any of their back catalogue. No, he had quite a unique voice, mm. quite a unique style. I couldn't really put my finger on it, but you're. I mean, it was borrowing a lot from this from one place and another. Mm. It was certainly familiar. 
very interesting um, style, and it really did set Re- uh, Rain of Fury apart from other other bands. Really, it was quite a unique sounding voice. So mm, that's like I say, big massive shoes to fill. But they always are when the front man has got such a presence and a, and a unique voice. I mean, it's very difficult to 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 do that, but I hope they do. Well, Frank from the Man Cave, Frank Holby said, correct me if I'm wrong, their biggest gig was an opening slot on the Sophie stage on Thursday at Bloodstock. The tent was absolutely packed and the whole place exploded from the opening riff. Halfway through the first song, a lad was being carried out by his mates with blood pouring out the mosh pit injury. A friend of mine said, fucking hell, steady on. We've got four days to go yet. <laughs> Had a good laugh with them over the weekend. There you go. Fantastic. Look, that opening slot on the Thursday at Bloodstock. I mean, that's pure gold right there isn't it that's a that's a golden ticket the, the i believe the main stage is closed Every, uh, how many people do you think go up on the thursday 90 percent of the camping uh, maybe a bit less I, I, yeah, i'm just guessing probably yeah okay let's say 90 so pretty much the whole festival and the only th- the only music that's going on is in the sophie tent great slot to have isn't it Absolutely. You get there, you're tense, boots, you a few beers, you go, oh, let's go and watch that band. It'd be, I've never been on the Thursday, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't know, but I'm sure it's a great atmosphere. I hear. What's the, uh, what's the campsite? Is it Midgard? That's absolute full of crazies. Crazies, yeah. Crazies. Paul, Paul Geddes, never heard of this lot until I saw this post. Melodic, fast, and it's fresh, just how I like it. I've just downloaded the three albums of Thanks for Sharing This. I'm sure I'm not the only new Reign of Fury album we'll be picking this up tonight. Good on you, Mr. Geddes, and enjoy those albums. Uh, thanks to um, to Gareth for, for putting that together for us. Yeah, it was a great read, and Jamie Jamie Kinghorn says, a great read, Gareth Q. I listened to the Death Be My Shepherd after the Omnia. Uh, Death Be the Shepherd after the Omnia. Yeah, I know, once the horse has bolted, but sorry, I loved it. I'll be checking out the rest and hope to see them live at some point. Yeah, well, we hope to see everyone live at some point. We keep saying that. That's uh, we're, all, we're all sort of... Um, biting our fingernails for that and chomping at the bit. But again, that was um it was great to have them on the Omnium. They'd got a little bit a little bit like what Virus have now. They got a little bit of momentum, a mention here, a mention there, and then another one and then another one. And it just seemed that there was a bit of interest about them. So we stuck them on the Omnium and um got them this far. Now, uh, Jamie said there, hope to see them live at some point. Dave Humphreys came on, and Dave, um, it seems, is in the band. He says, cheers for the write-up and the support. We really appreciate it. It's the 10th anniversary of our first EP next year. Hopefully, we can celebrate with a few live shows. Nice one. Yes, don't we, we all wish that. We, you know, we'd be the first in line to go and see that if we're all safe. And uh, thanks for, for getting in touch. That was That was fantastic. Thank you, Dave. Uh, thank you very much to it's a lot of thank yous tonight isn't yeah. it thank you to Gareth Pugh but that's what it is it's all about giving back to the club thanks Gareth for taking the time to write in so much detail it's really good when we can task not task but just ask people yeah. in the club to, to to write stuff and it's it's not because we can't be asked doing it because we will do something if absolutely if we need to do a feature but it's always nice to get the members involved because a they're sometimes a lot more well educated mm. on some of the bands that we're talking about than me and Carl but also it's it's about getting the members involved so thank you Gareth yes I'm I'm a big fan of if you're the better qualified person you should be doing it and uh, Gareth uh, um, and uh, maybe John Wig are certainly more qualified in the Reign of Fury department than us, but certainly enjoyed that fe- feature, and I played the videos and thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. 
Right, we got a few honourable mentions. So, uh, we had a little bit of German thrash last week on the podcast, didn't we? We had Cerebral Invasion, as we've spoken about uh, quite often now. But also, we did a Hit Missile Maybe, and it was some more thrash metal from Germany, Skeleton Pit, with their new video, new single, Violent Raid. Paul Hutchins alerted us to this. And um, we just put it out there for a midweek hit missile, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing wrong with it at all. Quite an enjoyable, solid, fresh metal song. Three of them in the band, which was quite interesting because they made a right old racket. But it was, um, yeah, decent, decent Teutonic thrash, as it were. Teutonic thrash, new album, Lust to Lynch. Lust to Lynch, yeah. A bit of a strange video, but it certainly mm-hmm. looked a bit of a laugh, that video filming that. But, yeah. So thanks for, for, for getting that in touch, uh, uh, Paul. That was great. We'll be having a little look at Skeleton Pit, I think. We'll have to keep an eye out for them, won't they? It's another one that's um, sort of bubbling under quite nicely, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Another German band. Lots. I mean, Germany, a lot of people have said, you know, they're saving thrash metal, aren't they? Yeah, it's a, um, it'll be interesting to, a bit like we are at the moment, seeing especially as we're all very much focused in online kind of stuff at the moment because mm. we're not going to gig so everyone's kind of accessing their music from online aren't they yeah and we're very lucky that there's so much music coming out constantly as a vinyl buyer i'm constantly seeing in my kind of the feed uh, another band has re- really re- released a uh, a reissue of a previous album you're like oh i've got to have that and oh, do i really need that one because it's mm. the 10th anniversary of this album or do i need this because it's now going to be on splatter blue vinyl and, mm. and all this that and the other but there's constantly so much thrash so much rock and metal coming out that you're kind of you're spoiled for choice but it'd be interesting what it's like and if any of our german listeners german members are over listening to this be interested to know what is the scene like in Germany at the moment? Mm. Is it vibrant? Is it is it popular? Is it doing as good as it ever was? It certainly looks from the, the bands that we're featuring, which is a lot of German bands, that it's in really rude health at the moment. So mm. we're, we're quite lucky over here that the British scene, certainly the work that Neil Brannigan Fuller does with UK yeah. thrashers and the, the, through Razor's Edge, the amount of UK thrash that we're hearing through these kind of um, news and review sites, that... British thrash is in great health as well, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is it worldwide that thrash is just doing so well, or is it is it just where we are and by the looks of things, Germany? Yeah, I mean, what we need is there must be a Neil Brannigan Fuller equivalent in Germany. Can we? It'd be great to hook up with, with you know, to see if if he's got something that you know. A, a... Cadric, Cadric, um, or Lord Black. Yes. If Lord's listening or a Cadreg, if you're listening, certainly let us know what what are the thrash scenes out there. But you mean you're actually meaning about someone that's at grassroots level that's there that yeah. is involved in the scene. Yeah, and can say, yeah, there's some. These are, you know, obviously I know about Sodom and Destruction, and of course Sabbath because they are obviously German with noise and all the rest of it. But here are some German bands that you don't know about. That's what we need. Yeah, but. Um, let, let's see if there's a German equivalent. That'd be great. It'd be good if we could hook up with him or her. Um, and I think I posted this last week, but didn't mention it. How do you feel about this? The Troops of Doom, new album, The Rise of Heresy. 
and it's the very old old geezer from the original Sepultura lineup putting out an album. Yeah, at uh, first I just it was just another another story really that I kind mm. of read and thought, oh, I, did, I didn't really give it the time of day. I listened to the song and thought, yeah, that's fairly decent. I've since gone back to it, and nothing wrong with it at all. It's a decent slab of mm. you know of, of fiery thrash metal, very very good indeed. See, that's that's a little bit of a problem I have with it. It's it, no problem at all. The songs are songs and they're good and I could listen to it. No problem at all. Um, but it's just reeks a bit of, listen, I was in Sepultura. Obviously, he I don't think he recorded any albums with them it, it, because obviously the definitive lineup was back in the day as we know it, the four guys. So he was obviously a forerunner before that. And it's a case of, Right. Okay. Well, the music's fine. Music's, you know, it's it's it is what it is, and people like it and people don't. But it is what it is. Why have you got to call it Troops of Doom? I think he was on. Um, I think he was on Morbid Visions. Oh, okay. The, the debut album and the. I'm sure from what Paul said that he was on Best Deal Devastation. He's like, oh, okay. Okay. And apologies. Troops of Doom was on one of those, so that's probably why he's calling it Troops of Doom. But he, that that's the thing, isn't it? If if he believes in what he's doing, why does he have to associate himself with Sepultura? Because he knows how difficult and how thickle mm. the music business is. And without a bit of a leg up, he's one of many of the bands that are fighting to get his foot up to be noticed above the parapet of everyone mm. else. And maybe he just thinks, hang on a minute, I was there at the start of it and I... You know, I've got something to say. My music's as mm. good. Why don't I use that name to my credit? Why, why work for a couple of years and go? Oh yeah, I've got this band. We're called Skull Crusher. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. Well, tell us a bit about it. Well, you know, I'm not going to tell you I used to be in Sepultura because I fear that that might give me un, unfair advantage. You know, you're going to use that, aren't you? Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, I, 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 and I would get that. But then to call the band an old Sepultura song, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I know you're in Sepultura. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not articulating myself very clearly because I just think he's he's Sepultura have done what they've done, and it's whether he likes it or not, it's without him. So why does he want to put on get on their curtain tails and say, well, Troops are doomed? Well, that's a Sepultura song. Is this the old guy? Oh, it's the old guy from Sepultura. It's kind of like that. If it's a case of, oh, this is an old guy from who used to be in Sepultura. He's got a new band called Skull Crusher. Um, I would, I would give that a shout. It's, I, I, I don't see why he had to then really lay it and, and associate himself with Sepultura. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, it just sat a little bit uncomfortably with me. But is that not the same as Blaze Bailey doing an exclusive Iron Maiden song set when he does a solo show or Paul Diano doing a songs from Iron Maiden when he's clearly got lots of his own yeah, to play. I, I do hear what you're saying, and I don't disagree with it. But at the same time, it's um, I, I personally think, yeah, why wouldn't you use that? Why, mm. if you can tag on to one of the biggest metal bands out there, if it is going to give you a leg up in an industry, and especially if he he believes in his band. Mm. No, I see what you. Are. I wonder what Sepultura think of it. Yeah. Well, have we got a Neil Brannigan Fuller in Brazil? Have we got a Neil Brannigan? Or in South America in general? That South would be America interesting. Yeah. Wherever, yeah. yeah, that would be good. Um, 
But yeah, go and check it out. I, I like it. So, and it's decent thrash metal at the end of the day. It was, it was very good. And, you know, a decent write-up as well that, that, that Paul gave. So Troops of Doom all done. Let's go on to a... This T90 got loads of reaction. It was great, it wasn't did, it? Didn't it? Yeah. So thank you very much to Jamie Kinghorn for undertaking this feature. He chose 10 songs that he wanted to share with the club and he just the opportunity was there to go with five thrash and five whatever he went for 10 solid thrash bangers didn't he the absolute bangers yes so starting off he went for metallica ride the lightning jamie said not much needs to be said about this you all know it absolutely and didn't they play it for the first time in ages on their last tour uh, the, the big stadium hardwired tour. I think they uh, they shoehorned in uh, Ride the Lightning, and I can't really remember them playing that that often. When you hear it, though, and it's so iconic, isn't it? You think, why is that not a set list staple then? Mm, it does. It really, it really does make me think that. Number two, Testament, Over the Wall. Jamie said, I just don't ever see that solo being bettered. Alex Skolnick is my favourite thrash guitarist, and I just think that this is the most well-crafted solo of the genre. Not being a guitar player, I shall take your word for that. We all know that Alex Skolnick is an absolute diva on the guitar. Not so sure about his jazz version of War Pigs, though. Did you tell me why he has that white bit of hair? Alex Skolnick, or was it someone else? Was it like one of those urban myths or how he got it? I I think I did tell you. I've, I've half forgotten. I, it was on a Loudwire interview with, is it Groot Hammett? And he said that I think he banged his head on something. I'm almost sure that's what that bit, he banged his head and it started coming out white. And he used to dye it, but then he just gave up and everyone said, oh, no, that looks pretty cool. I think it was something like that you said, yeah. Yeah, but I can't remember. Maybe I have to go back and re- redo the interview. But a great song, Over the Wall, is a, it's a fantastic song. Then number three, he went for Acid Rain, Motherly Love. He said, I just love the fun age has with the psycho source material and I've always really loved the keyboard middle section played by drummer Ramsey. I, I didn't know that was played by Ramsey. Nor did I. So great bit of knowledge there. Number four, Slayer, Ghosts of War. I feel it's just a really well-crafted song. It goes through various sections, taking the listener on a journey. This was featured on Rich Tricky Hudson on his T90 only a couple of months ago. Yes. Uh, it's uh, Again, didn't we have Brian DeAndrado say they've only played it like 20 times ever? Yeah. Which again, might Ride the Lightning. Why? Why? Nuclear Assault, Brain Death, came across his track on the heavy metal episode of the Arena documentary series that aired in 1989. Wow. And I have seen that recently. I'm trying to get it so we can have a watch party and we'll all watch it together and comment on it because certainly I'd love to hear, see the, because it was real uh, English and British thrash and or British metal, wasn't it? And I'd love to see the American and the German sort of looking in saying, oh, okay, so this is what was happening sort of thing. And obviously all of the Bay Area bands, because I think Slayer's on there, isn't it? They That's all from Hammersmith Odeon and from English dates. I think Metallica are on there as well from the Justice shows and stuff, isn't it? Yes, uh, Hammersmith Odeon. We've got James when he... He's never looked cooler, has he, where he's got his big white guitar yeah. and he's all in black. And um, that is the 
one where I think one of the members in the club yes. is or has alluded to or admitted that he was the guy that was dancing while Nuclear Assault were playing at the Rock City. Yes, this very true. Celeb in there. Certainly Jason, but the surname escaped me and I've... Get in touch. Mm. Get in touch. Jason led... I'm thinking Jason Leonard, but he played for England, didn't he? He was a rugby player. It's certainly not him. No. Did he drink brute aftershave and stuff? Tadford, Jason, Tedford, Tadford, maybe. If you're listening, Jason. Let us know. It's a hell of a claim to fame, that, as well, isn't it? It is. It's nearly as much as the Sodom Sepultura show, isn't it? It is. It damn well is. Quiet Boys at Guildford or Acid Rain at Southampton. Yes, and and Frank Holby said he was there that night, wasn't he? He he admitted to that, but he was damn near the close and disappointed that he didn't get on on the show. Yeah. Um, Onslaught number seven, Shell Shock. 18th of May '89 was a momentous occasion for me as I went to my first ever small venue gig, Onslaught at the Edinburgh venue. Fifteen-year-old me was blown away. Can't beat your first small venue gig. That's almost. Is it on a par with your first big gig? Don't know. Zentrix Crimes number eight. It stands out for me because I can remember the video on the Power Hour, and the one-minute intro section is just brilliant. The power hour. Is that some like ungodly time, like at three o'clock in the morning on ITV or something? Yeah. Um, and you, that one minute intro section, being a Zentrix fan, you can, it's just brilliant. Uh, perfection. Brilliant. Number nine, Sepultura Ride. God, I love this album. Everything about it. Sepultura were, <clears throat> excuse me, Sepultura were a refreshing addition when they appeared, bringing their passion and the rhythms of their culture to thrash. And, Troops of Doom following along in their footsteps. Love it. A few years later, but they certainly did follow on. Yeah. Then number 10, Overkill, Time to Kill. A couple of frenetic verse choruses, then into a slower, doomy section. The pace then picks back up for the final straight. And then the end. The end is majestic. It's what Overkill do, and they've been doing it since 1963. <laughs> was it that late? I thought it was 60. Too, but... uh, I, I won't give you an argument about that, mate. That's... And Dan Squires, he says, like the reference to the Arena documentary, I was just getting into metal when I first shown on a Friday night on BBC Two. That was how I was introduced to Flash. That's brilliant. He, knowing Ground Zero was that Arena documentary. That's fantastic to know. That Arena documentary. Not only that documentary, but the Arena series of documentaries. There were just some bizarre stuff on there, wasn't there? There's... If you go back and watch some of the YouTube or, or the arena documentaries on there, there's some strange stuff on there. It really is. Oh, okay. I, I don't really do it. I, I don't know if I've watched another one other than that one, to be honest. Okay. There's a decent one with a, I don't know, he's an abstract artist, and I can't remember his name. Um, I'm going to say his name's John, okay? Okay. And he's one of the most famous abstract artists this U, that the UK's ever had. But it just... I'm not an artist, but I do appreciate what he was trying to get in his head when he's designing these pictures where he's just literally flicking paint at this paint. Oh, yeah. Oh, is, oh, is, that, is that the geezer that is to lock himself up in a mansion and just get pissed out of his head and, and do all of that sort of get up? Uh, no, I don't think so. But oh, okay. It's certainly not in this documentary, but um, no, he had a proper studio, this guy. No, fair play. But yeah, there's just the, the, the breadth of the... It was good then that back then in 1989 or whatever it was that... BBC took on a subject like heavy metal 
didn't ham it up completely, did they? It was still, no. it's not a bad, it didn't get a bad, looking at it, they didn't kind of turn it into this laughing stock, did they? I mean, they had Napalm Death on there, uh, Slayer, like you say, mm. Metallica. There were some decent bands on there, and they all, they came across really well, didn't they? I mean, the fans didn't look, what was his name, Mitch Hale? Yeah. <laughs> he came, he, was, he said some, he said some. He was like a professor of thrash, it was great, wasn't it? Absolutely, he said everything you needed to say, and the, the lady that was with him said the stuff. So it was cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a pretty but, good documentary considering it was so old. But but I, I think they did try and ham it up. Let's put Napalm Death on there because everyone will laugh at them. Well, actually, that was fucking intense and really, really cool. So it kind of backfired on whoever I think did try and ham it up and make it out to sound a bit stupid. Do you know what I mean? It, I can understand why people, because I remember liking Napalm Death. I, that was the first time I'd heard Napalm Death, really. And I remember people sort of like growling at me, you know, saying, well, I, I, I like it, you know, fuck off and listen to the Hysteria by Def Leppard if you want to. <laughs> you can yeah. fuck yourself. Peter Cren, he says, Crikey, that is so close to what I might have picked. It's frightening. The arena documentary was so of the era. I'm not going to fight you over the solo and over the wall, as you are completely correct. He says, Savage is a cracking under-the-radar Halloween track. I don't think we mentioned that, did we? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. So anyway, going back to Savage, he says, Friday the 19th of August 1988 is when everything changed for me. My sister's insanely cool boyfriend went to his first ever Monster of Rock. He told me about the Friday Rock show by the legend that was Tommy Vance. So I listened in and luckily decided to tape it. There you go. And that was the night before, the Friday Rock with the... The, the eve of the Monsters of Rock show in 88. Yes. Mm, a very a very prominent date for me because yours truly was on that very there Friday Rock show. You were, weren't you, Carl? I speaking, was. Speaking to... Kai Hansen and Eagle Schwarzenberger of Halloween. Okay, well, let's, uh, on that note, if you hush yourselves, everyone just... Uh, I can't believe you're doing this to me, but go on. Sit, sit comfortably, grab a drink, and listen to this uh, <laughs> wonderful young voice. Well, the more I think about it, it's I'm more honoured to speak to TV than I have to Halloween, if I'm quite honest. So uh, you were 12 then, weren't you? Mm, yeah. Um, my brother went to the gig um, with my cousin, who I was telling you was a big um, uh, Eddie Van Halen fan. And I always used to listen to the Friday Rock Show kind of with my brother under under the, the duvet sort of thing, with, you know, not 
my parents not knowing that we were listening to it. Well, I think I think they had a rough idea, but they obviously just thought, oh God, you know, we can't be bothered to say anything. But um, I was allowed to stay up really not, late that night and listen to it on the radio on the radio because my brother would, was off having a, a sort of good time, so to speak. So they kind of felt they owed it to me, I guess. And I, uh, I said, Oh, look, they're phoning up. My dad said, Oh, go and phone them up. Go. I wanted to listen, speak to Bruce Dickinson, but obviously he was on there as well. But obviously that was, and I remember speaking to a, a lady and I was like, I want to speak to Bruce Dickinson, please. And she went, unfortunately we have all the calls for that, but we have got, um, Halloween. If you want to ask them a question. And I said, Oh yeah, no, I'll do that. And they, they said, uh, right, you've got to give me a, you know, what question would you like to ask them? And I have no idea where that question came from. And so all oh, their early days in Germany lives went, okay, we'll, we'll get back to you. And they phoned back and I was, I was on. And you did a, you asked a very important question. Yeah. I, I, but I thought that's what the way looking back, obviously that's why they thought, well, yeah, we want to know what your early days in Germany are. It's not a bad question. So I've no idea where it came from. I've just, it just off the top of my head, literally. Uh, it's good stuff. So, <laughs> well, thanks for playing that. Right? <laughs> Luke Alexander Hutchinson. He says Savage was a B-side on the Doctor Stein single, written by Michael Kisk as a way to prove that he could write some more heavier thrash style songs when it came down to it. Definitely a deep cut, along with "Don't Run for Cover." It's one of Halloween Halloween's best B-sides. Yes, um, B-sides. You don't see them too often these days, now, do you? You don't really know. And it's a shame because I do like a B-side. Oh, that's a great thing with Maiden, wasn't it? They always had some pretty interesting B-sides, but they had some great, decent songs as B-sides as well. Mm. I love the stuff you used to get on Maiden B-sides, like the, the big argument, the, was it Aaron? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Over brain going crazy. But some of that some of that stuff was a bit silly, but it was always good. It was always good. Yeah, definitely. Black Bart Blues on the B-side of Can I Play yeah. With Madness. Actually, I wanted to say, just as we saying that, I remember buying the Can I Play With Madness 7-inch the day it came out in Woolworths, yeah. and I got a it, really small, probably, I don't know how it would how big it would be. But you know, like if you put four stamps together, uh, like the one old uh, Pat Clifton was licking earlier, if you put them together, it was about that size, so fairly small. And it was a transfer of the Can I Play With Madness, just the head, you know, like okay. the, the, like the... And I don't know anyone else that got them. I don't know. It, it, was, it wasn't, you know, like you used to get a sticker on the front of a, of a single if you bought it. It comes with a patch or included in a, you know, whatever. Nothing. It wasn't until I pulled the record out when I got home that this thing tumbled out as well. And I'm just wondering if any of the other members got it. Was it like widespread or was it like a mistake or was it? I, I, I have no idea. Like the batch of Kit Kats when, you were, when I was in secondary school, a load of Kit Kats found their way into the vending machines that were solid milk chocolate. No biscuit in there. Yeah, no wafer. They're, they're, like, they're rocking all shit. They are, aren't they? They're brilliant. I don't know. I don't know about the uh, Maiden thing. I'll have a look through some of my seven inches, but I don't think um, I certainly haven't seen a transfer or a, yeah. or a pack stamp. No. So I'll have to I'll have to dig that out and see if I can get a photograph and put it on my club and see see if anyone else. I mean, Charles, I mean that because that uh, can I play with madness? That got uh, was it number two or number three in the charts or something? It was damn near number one. So they must have sold fucking hundred millions of these bloody things. But I, and it's just funny that if they sold millions of these things, no one said, oh, yeah, and it came with the free transfer. You know, some people do. They kind of go, oh, yeah, do you remember that? It came with the free whatever. And you go, oh, yeah, or did it? I didn't really know. But no one's ever mentioned it. 
So just putting it out there. Putting it out there. Well, you kind of finished things up there. You said, amazing list. Thanks for doing this. We'll spend some time discussing this on the podcast, mate. Plus, if the planets have aligned, that could be the Friday Rock Show that yours truly were talking to Halloween. So I'm not going to play it again. But No, that please, don't. <laughs> please but don't. But that, of course, being the year that your brother went up there, of course, was the year that the two people sadly lost their lives, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah. So uh, how, how was that in terms of you, I mean, were you aware of that when you were waiting for your brother to come home or was it kind of like, oh, my brother's there, he'll be all right? Or was it genuine worry in your family? Yeah, but my mum was petrified, absolutely uh, shitting it. Um, she phoned up the helpline and I think they had the names of the two guys. Okay. Um, but they obviously weren't allowed to put it into the public domain. Yeah. So I think... They said, well, who who is your um, – what's the name of your son? So my my mum said it, and they said, no, that's not the name of the two okay. guys that died. So – but, but it's, that wasn't good enough for my mum. She wanted uh, she wanted my brother back. <laughs> but I had to – I do remember it because, again, I had to wait even longer because this the Sunday I was playing a football match on the Isle of Wight, and I had to go out to the Isle of Wight and play a football match – and then, obviously, coming back, my brother had obviously come back. So I, I left really early, about 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock or something in the morning. My brother, it was always going to be that my brother was sleeping in the car up up at Donington and then coming back the next day. So, and he would have got back to, to mine sort of about lunchtime, possibly, on the, on the Sunday morning. Well, I didn't get back from the Isle of Wight till sort of, early evening sort of thing and no mobile no mobile phones no way of calling home so it was it was a bit of a longer wait for me as well and it kind of played on my mind i didn't have a very good match that that day we got beat anyway but um yeah so i can remember my mum phoning up the um the helpline which incidentally it, it was weird actually because i went to see tottenham wimbledon and john wig member was in that the same day as the hillsborough disaster uh the it was that the year later and um it must have ingrained in my mum because she was worried that i was at that football match um because it was you know uh, although it was but she was going well that's in sheffield and i my mum doesn't know a great deal about football but she went I, I know you know the game isn't in sheffield and she tw- the only reason she twigged it was up there was because the number for the donnington hotline was the same as the uh, hillsborough one okay. she she had remembered the number so she must have phoned it a fair few times, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, you know. Well, yeah. Horrible, horrible. Yeah, not 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 pleasant at all. But um, luckily, my my brother and cousin, everyone got home safe. But anyone that goes who who went to that gig, I know Kat has had said a few times. She, I think she was there, wasn't she? And well, definitely she was there. And she said she couldn't remember seeing huge amounts of people down the front just going over and thinking whoever's underneath that is having a rough time yeah i mean we've spoken about it before haven't we we said it it's like when you see the old match of the day from the 70s and 80s and it always seems to be the cop doesn't it where yeah you know a couple of thousand people are just just a wave of people just when someone scores and it it is i've been to gigs down the front there where you've got no control have you no No. control whatsoever of of where you get and you just got to kind of Go with go with the crowd, really, and it's really really scary, especially when you're younger and mm. you maybe a bit green to gigs. 
uh, and you do fall over and it can be really really scary so yeah definitely definitely let's move on to the next bit so it, I didn't know it was it was it mental health day or was it mental yeah, health week October the 10th, October the 10th which was Saturday mm-hmm. was mental health day and Melanie Campbell said sent us a message and she said I've written a piece on World Mental Health Day um, don't feel you have to use it I, she had written it something else anyway but she, she'd written it so she let us use it and it was a fantastic piece we thought no definitely we're going to use this um, like she had said if it helps just one person which is often a bit of a cliche thing but you hear about it a lot don't you you know yeah. the words of someone or the actions of someone can just help one person, then it's been used. And in this case, it was certainly a case of let's do something with this. We don't want to overload the site and the club with features sometimes because we don't want people getting lost in it and and not seeing the wood from the trees, as it were. Sometimes we've got to pick and choose when we're posting things. And whilst we really appreciate people sending stuff to us, it we, we don't want to overload things sometimes and it was a real case with this but at the same time we really wanted to use what Melanie had written mm-hmm. and on such an important vital day really Definitely. it seems that so many people within rock and metal not just the musicians that we mm. you know that we follow but fans our friends people we know are affected by mental health issues so we were mm. definitely going to use it and just thank you Melanie for allowing us to Do you want to read the first one out and I'll read the second? Yeah, so Melanie said, Today is World Mental Health Day. As Chester Bennington's missus famously said, depression doesn't have a face or a mood. This was him mere hours before taking his own life. Over here, the suicide rate for men in England and Wales in 2019 was the highest for two decades. Researchers from the universities of Manchester and Liverpool conducted a review of 12 English language papers published in the British Journal of Clinical Psychology and found that young metal fans were at increased risk of suicide and self-harm. The belief that alternative subcultures may be at risk of self-harm and suicide is considered by some to be a myth, said Peter Taylor, a clinical psychologist from the University of Manchester. He added, we're not saying that doctors should be worrying about everyone wearing a Metallica t-shirt, but there are also other signs which point towards self-harm, and they should definitely ask the question. But what about the old gits like us wearing Metallica shirts? The Samaritans have stated that middle-aged men are one of the most high-risk groups for suicide. I think we all know blokes are much less likely to talk about their feelings to partners and mates, let alone make a phone call to a GP. Uh, it's all further exacerbated by the NHS being stretched further than that motorhead T-shirt that you've had since you were a spotty youth. But there is help out there. You might feel like it, like a tit picking up the phone to the Samaritans. I've done it myself. Samaritan, sorry, not. I've done it myself, not knowing what the hell to expect, thinking some Auntie Marjorie type was going to say, "There, there, everything's okay." But it's better than that. It's an ear to listen to, no matter how much shite you need to spout or don't have to say at all. Ultimately, it's trained and impartial near ear, and it can help. Whatever you're going through, you can call any time from any phone for free. Call 116-123 or samaritans.org. Mind are really helpful too, mind.org UK. To end on a positive, 
There are these are two of the seven amazing mental benefits of listening to heavy metal, as published by Interesting Engineering, including by listening to your favorite metal uh, favorite bands, going to gigs and talking to your friends. Being a fan of heavy metal helps you form common bonds with others. That very much relates to this community, and being part of a community really helps. Heavy metal fans or people who preferred more intense and complex melodies tend to be more open to new experiences. Bollocks. Thrash till death. So there's some fantastic points in there, real mm. pertinent points that Mel points out, doesn't she? I'd like to pick up on the last one there. Mm-hmm. The... Very much relates to this community and being part of a community really helps. Mm-hmm. Whilst in our small little club that we've got here, we're not all friends. When some, there are many friends in the group, yeah. and I certainly have made friends with you know many members, and and you communicate with them, and it's fantastic. But not everyone is able to kind of say that that member there that's typed that out is their mate, or that they can open mm. it up. But it really, it's it's a it's a bit of a joke. We say it, but never more has it been more highlighted than after this post that this club that we've got here, this group, this site is a safe place. Mm. It's a place where people can, if they need to, let 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 whatever they need to let out, you know, mm. within within the right feature, within a private message to whoever, that there's no problem whatsoever. And I think the fact that some of the responses that came out mm. as a result of this were just just inspiring really from Paul Hutchins saying that he is a volunteer at Samaritan. Yeah. If anyone wants to, um, you know, talk, they can talk. You know, mm. they're, 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 and and everything that came up through this post, the numbers there, um, what mm. you can do, who you can help, who you can call, it's just a really worthwhile thing feature that Mel was able to send us. Yes, thanks so much, and we're not going to read out any of the comments really from from them i just felt it was um really just to respect out of that you know this is a it's a podcast and we make lighter things and we we have a little bit of a joke yeah. some of the things they were saying uh, the members were sharing were, were not jokes um they were they got some great responses some great some great interactions with everyone and um it was all due to to mel putting that great post together so um if it's there to be read and I think it's uh, great that everyone feels that it is a safe place or uh, uh, people feel that it is safe to, to to say a few things that they may not divulge. That's absolutely great. And it's just a step of um, helping out people or helping yourself to really move forward if you're uh, if you're in a bit of um, bit of stuck, so to speak. Yeah, and we don't need to have it just one day a year it's there every day yeah, isn't it yeah. you know if, if, if you're looking out for someone look out for them if mm. you are that person and you can talk talk if you can't talk you know you've got the strategies hopefully within those things that mel was talking there you've got the phone numbers you've got the, the mm. websites you can access uh, resources so there is mm. a there is help out there for people even and, when you're ready and and the Sorry, just the, the community part and being, you know, forming bonds, I think is very, very important. Um, I recently had, uh, I'm not going to talk about my, you know, my experience, but I did have uh, part of an experience where a very, very close work colleague um, 
tried to commit suicide. It was it was it was heartbreaking. And he made one mistake really that he didn't actually it didn't actually w- was successful. And the reason was that he worked with myself and another colleague very very closely, and we formed that that bond that that Mel was talking about. And the mistake that he made was if we ever had a day off or even if we were ill, we would go through the normal channels or not, depending on what we were doing, but we'd always let the other two know. So if I, you know, I don't work in the, in the organization where I'm, where we work together, but if let's say I had a really heavy, or I knew that I was not going to be able to make it on Monday morning, I would say, look, hands up. Can you take my class Monday morning? I'm not going to be in till well into the afternoon. I'm going to to download and, you know, I won't be back till three o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be knackered. So is that all right? And they go, yeah, 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 yeah. Have some fun, mate. No problem. And then you would do the same for them. Even if we were, we would say, look, sorry, I'm, I'm flued up. I've let, I've let the people know. Can you, can you, can you do um, cover for me? And it'd be like, yeah, 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 absolutely not. He didn't come in that day and he didn't tell me or my colleague and, it got to about 11 o'clock and we thought something's up. We haven't heard anything. And the, the place where we were, they hadn't heard anything. And it was something's up. Is he, our first thought was he slipped in the shower and he's lying there, you know, with a, with a nose back going, Oh, bloody hell, someone help me. And all his family have gone to work or whatever. Um, but yeah, we, we got the ball rolling and he was found. And luckily he was, if we had left it, oh, we'll see what it's like. He'll be in tomorrow. It would have been way too late. It's quite scary, but good, good. There's a, there's a, a, a happy ending because he's made a full recovery. He realized what a, what a dark place he was in. And, um, yeah, he's, we're, we we've got a stronger bond than ever, the three of us. And uh, we always say, you know, keep talking to one another, just keep talking. And that's what this club is doing. And certainly that's what that post did. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm no expert in, in anything and in certainly in this kind of, kind of field, but, you know, sometimes I think people are, don't want help, do they? And they're, they're not in the right frame of mind where they can access that help. But just mm. being able to talk about it as a group, being able to have all this information on the websites, having this in, in posts, if it's out there and people are talking about it and communicating with people, we're one step closer to helping each other, aren't we? Definitely, definitely. So again, from the sublime to the ridiculous, we are going to talk of such a, a poignant and... Um, emotional post that is uh, mental health week we're going to talk about a hit missile maybe with the cover version of under pressure by death angel you did say from the sublime well you didn't say i don't think you said sublime but you said to the ridiculous didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh my colors to the mask there yeah it's um it was a little bit ridiculous for me Really? Okay, I've I've got some interesting. Should we? Should I? I, I can take this one if you like. And I, should I? Should I do the housekeeping first? No. So this is from an EP, and I think it's an acoustic EP. I think there's uh, Death Angel released, and there's Room with a View on there, um, an acoustic version of a couple of other tunes, and this one, a cover version of Under Pressure, which is predominantly an acoustic track, um, done by them, um, and. It got a whole range of emotions in there. Hit six people. This is probably our biggest hit missile, maybe, by the way, um, since we've been, we just stumbled across this idea for videos and singles. We do like a mini review, really. Um, So six people said hit 
four said maybe, 22 said miss. And there was a few people that didn't even categorise their, their review with a hit, miss or maybe. They were just in shock. Who's in shock? Well, they, they weren't able to say oh, right. <laughs> maybe because they just couldn't believe what they were hearing. Well, um, so tell us what you thought of it first, Robbie, and I will tell you what I thought of it. Well, I'd seen a couple of comments, or I think, was it Kevin Adamson that sent it to us? Uh, Yes, maybe. And I thought, no, it might have been Lenny Costello over in the States. Anyway, um, at first I was thinking, this is a bit strange, to be honest. I thought, I'll give it time, and then I thought, no, I just can't get past the the vocals. They're just not doing it. Plus the fact that I don't particularly like the song. I find the song just one of those ones that when you hear it, I've, I've, if I never hear it again, it's one of them ones, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, an, an iconic song and one of those songs that for many is fantastic, but I've never really liked the song. Mm. And then as, as it's going on, I thought, no, it's just bizarre. And then the video as well, I thought was a little bit too hammy, you know, mm. it just didn't quite do it for me and it it didn't get any better as it went on so it was it was always going to be a miss probably because the song itself it's it's yeah it's good and respect to death angel for trying to do something a little bit different and they're not coming out and like here we go we're gonna thrash the bollocks off this song but yeah yeah it just didn't do it for me what about you well i i got in there before everyone um everyone got uh started talking about it so i was completely sort of fresh in and, and, and no prejudice against it so i listened to it and I thought, okay so it's an acoustic version I, you know i didn't know really what to expect and then i mean i was in, i was enjoying it i mean i like queen i love queen anyway and um this is the one i believe under pressure this is the one where um david bowie was on guesting on it as well wasn't it? i think he helped write it and stuff and there's that story because this is the baseline isn't it boom the the, the beginning baseline oh no that's another one i'm thinking of sorry um but i'm sure david bowie helped write this one and um so it's always a slightly more poppier end of queen anyway um and i was enjoying it but then the second one where mark osagueda goes really high i thought oh that's dreadful that's a dreadful bit and then it only lasts for that one kind of sort of almost a couple of lines really and then it went back to how it was which was just a, a respectful kind of cover, really. And I thought it was okay. I, I, I wouldn't say, I, I would say it's between a maybe and a hit for me. Yeah, it was when you were talking there about the, the bass line. It mm. is the start of this song, it does have that really kind of. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Is that what you're thinking? That, yes. Is, is, yeah, is, yeah. yeah. So that was the one where Roger, uh, no, Deacon. Is it John Deacon, the bass player of Queen, the forgotten yeah. member, if you like? They started jamming and he came out with that and they went, Oh, that's fucking brilliant. That's brilliant. And then they stopped. They said, Let's go for a pizza and a beer. Went for a pizza and a beer, came back in the studio and said, Right, hit that bass line again. And he went, Fuck, I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think luckily they found like a very scratchy version that someone had recorded and he kind of heard it and went, Oh, yeah, 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 I got it. No, I remember it now. It could have been lost forever. Wow. So um, there you go. But um, should we, do you want to know what the members thought? Yes, please, Carl. Neil Bolton. My, by Odin's beard, that is dog shit. Miss, miss, and trice, miss. 
racket. He didn't like it, did he? No, he did not. I think Mel gave him the internet for that. The uh, for that comment, actually. <laughs> Rightly so. Um, Simon Griffiths hate Queen, love Death Angel, hate Death Angel doing Queen. <laughs> so that's quite a cool one. Um, Jamie Kinghorn, uh, not sure. Don't think I've ever heard a band do justice to a Queen song. Kudos to DA for what they uh, chose to take on, but not sure. A maybe. A maybe. A maybe. It definitely was Kevin Adamson that alerted us to this. Okay. I think Lenny did um, uh, message me, actually, Lenny Costello in the States and saying about this. And then Neil Coggins, love it. Mark is underrated as a singer and he gets to flex his lungs here. Lots of metalheads getting upset because they think they've turned all acoustic, but DA have the range and chops to do an acoustic EP and get away with it. End of the day, it's probably just filler material during lockdown. Plenty of other bands have done something similar with good results. I love both I Am Evil and These Boots, by the way. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, what people hear is what they like, isn't it? Mm. Well, what? they like is different to what you or I might like and that's what makes it all so interesting so yeah it's, it's, it wasn't for me but that doesn't mean it's it's shit it just means it's certainly just not my taste and or I think it is shit it, well by Odin's beard it is so um but I think it's still rumbling on a bit now it's definitely caused a bit of a ripple wasn't it about it don't mm. they if you don't like something it, it doesn't bother me the days have gone of me if, pushing on to people the music that I like if they don't like it I don't think they're gonna like it and there's no point me going oh come on you, you've got to listen to this yeah. progressive black metal band from Dakota you know yeah. you you're not gonna you're not gonna it doesn't matter just there's so much music out there that it's don't get militant about it if you don't like it you don't like it if you do you do it's let's express your opinion and respect everyone else's that's it absolutely but uh that was a great exercise and uh i mean i enjoyed everyone reading everyone's comments it was very um the, the people that liked it hit they they loved it they were well into it it was just overwhelmingly the people that thought it was a miss just thought it was dreadful it was very marmite this track wasn't it it's probably like that disturbed sounds of silence that they did a couple of yeah. years ago, didn't they? It's it's one of them that some people think it's one of the best cover versions ever. Yes, they do. And then some people just think, what? It's just awful. But I'm still waiting. When I listen to that song, it's beautifully sung and, and amazingly produced, but I'm still waiting for him to go in the middle of it. And he never does. He never does. Uh, yeah. No, no, he's missed a trick there. So, shall we move on to the huge, huge, huge thrash of the Titans round? And also, while I'm while I'm reading some of these to you, mate, um, can you get the random number generator up? Because we've got a we've got a. Uh, I don't want to do a Bri- uh, Brian D'Angelo years and forget to pick another another match up. Well, you're asking me to get the random number generator up, but it's one or two, isn't it? So, do you want to, have you got a coin that you can flip? <laughs> so slayer versus testament we talked about this i was convinced it was going to be in the 80s overwhelming to slayer and slayer were going to trample testament as much as people love testament but it really didn't turn out that way it wasn't far off that though was it there was still a lot of love for testament mm-hmm. 
I didn't yeah. I didn't think they would get anywhere near twenty six percent of the vote though, as far as Testament are concerned. But I think Testament are one of those bands that had it been many of the other bands, I don't think they would have got so much. But Testament are many people's favourite band. Mm, mm-hmm. And I and I think that was where they scored quite highly here, albeit uh, whatever they scored it was about 60 votes or whatever yeah um because testament the people that did vote for them are because they are their favorite band it wasn't like oh do i like testament or do i like slayer i'm not really sure oh mm-hmm. go on then i'll put slayer because they're the better band and the bigger band i think they voted for testament purely because they were the favorites they weren't torn mm-hmm. well j- just to, to sum up it's slayer there was 211 members voted so Amazing. When it goes over 200, I think that's amazing participation. That's brilliant. Um, and then Slayer got 73.5% of the vote and Testament got 26.5% of the vote. So a really, really good. I mean, Testament were nowhere near uh, as far as that was concerned. But I did think there was quite a few people coming out and saying, Slayer, they're kind of a one-trick pony, not really into them. And it's like, wow. You know, I thought everyone was pulling together for Slayer and they would storm it. And it has now got me thinking that the Metallica Slayer semi-final is going to be closer than two coats of paint. You think it will? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I, I just think people will, you know, the way people were talking who were voting in here that were voting for Testament were like, well, I don't like Slayer. They're, they're a bit one-trick pony. Yeah, they've got some good songs, and you know they're, they're stalwarts of thrash metal, and the influences can there can be seen. But I find I think one person said they're a bit like ACDC, where they're a bit of a a one-trick pony, a nice one-trick, but one-trick it is. Whereas Testament have a lot more different material that you can go through. And if you're thinking that, then you'll vote in Metallica. Yeah. Plus, with the army of Metallica fans, is that enough to get Metallica past Slayer? Are you asking or are you just vocalising what you're thinking? I'm vocalising. You can take it how you feel, mate. But um, should, we see, should we see what the members think? Yeah. While you, while you muse upon that further and you try and find a coin to flip. Um, Dennis Speecher. Testament against other groups, hand down, hands down would win. But against Slayer, this group that started an entire generation of underground, horn-raising, head-banging crazy such as myself. Too bad. So sad to Testament. But Slayer wins hands down. Yeah, just the power of Slayer. Yep, yeah. uh, but a lot of love for Testament in that one. Robert Joseph Patterson, think it will obviously be Slayer, but hard decision for me as I love both. But just for Rain in Blood, they get my vote. Surely best thrash album of all time. And I would nail my colours to the mast and say that is true. I think if we did a summary of all the T90s, all the Thrash Island discs, all the mm-hmm. Dreamweavers, everything, I think Testament would be one of the, probably the band that have got most mentions than any other band. Really do, yeah. I they, do, yeah. I think certainly the T90s. Definitely, yeah. Lots of Testament tracks in there. We're always talking about Testament and none other who Testament stalwart himself, Mr. Scotty Wells. <laughs> That, that was plastic onto a bit. Oh, you are there. Testament. They are the epitome of thrash metal. I love Slayer, but Slayer have become their own entity entirely, I believe, which is a legendary thing. I don't think of thrash metal when I think of Slayer. I just think of Slayer. With Testament, I immediately think thrash metal. 
I don't find this to be formulistic or by the numbers either. They choose to write in this style. They had a couple of albums in the 90s flirting with death metal too that was heavy as hell. Testament has the better lead guitarist and rhythm guitar players too. Eric Eric Peterson is up there with Hetfield, in my opinion, as a rhythm player. Chuck Billy's vocals are among the heaviest in thrash now too. Recently released Slayer material doesn't come close to songs like DNR, Rise Up, True American Hate. Their new album is pretty badass too. Slayer, Megadeth and Metallica will always be legends in their own rights, but I view these bands as separate entities from thrash. Testament are the titans of thrash for me. So whatever happens, they are his titans, thrash of the titans, aren't they? And he's true winners, I believe. Absolutely. And if you talk there about, didn't they, the early 90s where they flirted with death metal, and they didn't they didn't just flirt with it, it was all, all out kind of, well, they... Uh, the albums Low and possibly The Gathering that he's talking about, they were heavy as hell. They really mm. were. And they showed that they can they can play it like that as well. It wasn't mm. just a kind of, well, let's have a little go at it. They properly did it and really, really heavy stuff. Graham Meldrum. Going back to when I first heard both bands in 87, my reaction was one, that's ace, love it. My reaction to the other was, fucking hell, what is this? So I'm casting my vote with the more visceral reaction, which was the dirty punch to the guts delivered by Slayer and Hella Waits. Testaments over the wall video made me want to pick up the album the next day. I was record shopping. Hella Waits video had me almost kicking my mate's door down at the break of dawn. Get the fuck up. The bus is due. We're off to find a record. Got the bus to Dundee, but didn't find Hella Waits despite much searching through, although ended up with the live undead and haunting the chapel. I was all for heading to Edinburgh, then Glasgow if need be, but was forced back onto the bus uh, by a wary Gareth who incidentally purchased the legacy. Got Hella Waits via tape trading in the end, as never found the record anywhere. If you're going to that much trouble to get those records, that they could mean so much to you when mm. you eventually get them, don't they? They definitely do. I definitely feel that. Um, that vibe with that I'm getting you know, kicking your mates come on we're off to Dundee I've got a record that I've got to buy and it just brings it all back it's brilliant isn't it great story thanks for that Graham uh, Chris Key very tough in their early years Slayer were untouchable but Testament have the strength and consistency I'm not sure which way the scales tips here pre-1990 it's Slayer but in the last couple of decades it's Testament the first three Slayer albums are godly, but the average worth of Testament's output is probably higher. Still don't know what that means in terms of a decision. No. And, he, and he's, you know, he's right there, pre-90s, probably Slayer, but then Testament are in that argument. It's not like they're way behind Slayer in quality, are they, Testament, in the uh, in pre-1990? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, they were on the... Um, you saw them, didn't you, at the mm-hmm. Clash of the Titans? Yeah. Which I think, it, uh, to be fair, though, I think Souls of Black is probably one of their weakest albums. Mm. Rushed, I think, and didn't really like the, the production on it. But um, that's just me. But, yeah, I mean, and then the later albums, I mean, uh, Testament kind of went down the death metal kind of way didn't they slayer done their their kind of flirting with 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 different stuff but not but both staying totally true to thrash metal really prolific outputs as well mm. oh definitely 
definitely. You're never, you're never that far away from a release, are you? Um, Char, uh, Nick Charles Tucker, seen both, uh, seen both, love both. Another tough one. However, it wasn't as hard as I thought. I came to Slayer late, by the way. For some reason, I avoided them at the beginning. Think I'd seen a pick of Metal and Massacre and didn't dig the Satan references, etc. So if you asked me in 89, I would have gone with Testament. But now after a bit of re-education and a more open mind from 90s Slayer blew me away. And then I realized, and then I listened to the back catalogue. Seen them both live a few times. Slayer, totally owned. Slayer fans remind me of Motorhead fans, extremely loyal and just don't care for supports or posers. So my verdict is an easy Slayer victory. Yeah, they've that, got that reputation, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> Slayer crowd. Absolutely. Were Motorhead fans a bit more tolerant than the Slayer fans? or um, Tolerant in the respect that... Um, as far as support bands go, and po- well, poses are one thing, but um, support bands, they just didn't go and see them. They would be in the pubs or in the bars, and that would be that, and they would find out what time Motorhead come on, and the place yeah. would be empty. To, okay. They're on in 10 minutes, and all of a sudden, it's full. It's And everyone wore a Motorhead T-shirt to the shows. It, was, it wasn't so much – it was almost like a uniform. And it wasn't like a, it's, it's, it's just, well, I'm wearing my, I'm seeing Motorhead, I'm wearing my Motorhead t-shirt to that. So I'm not going to go with another band on, which I know is, is against that. No, never go wear, never wear a band of the, uh, a t-shirt of the band you're going to see. Always wear a different t-shirt. But Motorhead bucked that trend. And I think Slayer were the same as well. So Maria, uh, is it Einson? Slayer. All-time favourite band and still not recovered from their retirement. Yeah, sadly gone. But in see in bet in better days we'd be waiting for a Slayer release slash tour about now, wouldn't we? I should think so. Yeah, it's been a few years, hasn't it? So mm, yeah. So this is and this is my fear. This is what I thought we'd really miss. Yeah, we've seen Slayer on the farewell tour, and that was great. It was a great blowout. We got our Slayer feel. It's running really low at the moment now. The, the Slayer feel needs to be filled, and there's no Slayer to be filling it. No. Uh, Simon Griffiths, never a big Slayer fan, and I would acknowledge their importance, but I much prefer Testament. I even enjoyed Skolnick's Throwaway into Jazz. Always been consistent. Yeah, definitely consistent. Definitely consistent. Although, like I said, check out that the Alex Skolnick trio or whatever they're doing, War Pigs, in a jazz version. It's Oh, it's horrible. It's almost as bad as some. It's almost as. It's like Neil Bolton listening to Under Pressure by Death Angel. It's that bad. That bad? Yeah, it's fucking dreadful. Would Odin turn in his. Yeah. Chamber? Well, it, by Odin's beard, he would have a shave, old Odin would, mate. I'll tell you if he heard that. And then the last one, Lee Hammer Harris. Uh, love both bands equally, but love Slayer more equally in that uh, perversely logical way, if you know what I mean. We all do, yeah. Yeah, I think we get it. I think uh, 70-odd percent of uh, members of the club obviously think the same, Lee. So that was – no, it wasn't an anti-climate. I thought it was a, a, a good one. We kind of all called that Slayer would win I, a lot less convincingly than I thought. Uh, I think that's testament to testament uh, that they took at least 50 votes out of them. Um, so what do they need? 30, 40 votes. Someone needs, so 
tough one to call. Tough one to call. But what do you think of the round itself, just to sum up? I thought it was good. I thought it was Slayer when they got that early lead to begin with. I thought I thought it was only going to be a one winner anyway from the very start. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I think Slayer are going to walk straight through to the final and, and win the final as well. I can't yeah. see anyone. Yeah, I, I really can't see anyone judging on almost like talking about the um, Slayer fans and the support bands and that. It's very much, they are the most vocal of the fans. Well, not the most vocal of the fans. I think the Metallica, uh, Team Metallica are pretty vocal in, in this the Titans. But I think the Slayer lot, it's, it's just a steady, confident march. And um, mm. yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for me, the next round, Slayer Metallica. Yeah. It's... Um, very, very interesting. Which way I'm going to vote on that? I'm not sure at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, well. I, I know which way I'm going to vote, but I, I do think I, I before this round when I thought, yeah, Testament will, uh, sorry, Slayer will do Testament by well over eighty percent, maybe even ninety percent. I was thinking, didn't get close to that. So now I'm thinking, oh, is there a little bit of a chink in the uh, in the Slayer armor? Armor. And remember, Metallica also have those legions of fans that love pretty much everything they do or have done. Typical comments being, well, the first four albums. I can't vote against that yeah. for Metallica. So it's it's going to be so interesting, that one. That semi-final. But shall we do shall we do the, the draw for the next round? I have a coin. Oh, go so on. It was uh, a is number one and Tails is number two. Uh, as yeah, go on in. Anthrax and Exodus are number one. Yeah. Creator and Megadeth are number two. Here we go. It's Tails, number two. Creator, Megadeth. So instantly, I'm thinking Megadeth, but then you go, yeah, that'll be Megadeth. Oh, although, I mean, they have got a shitload of stuff in the 90s that was rubbish, as in Megadeth, and Creator, nice and consistent. Absolutely, it's going back to the overkill consistency thing that's got them so far through, didn't it? Yeah. And that, what was that, 20 votes between Metallica and Overkill, was it? wasn't many, was it? wasn't um, many. This, this could be a lot closer. This isn't This isn't um, without being disrespectful to some of the other bands in the competition early on. This isn't mm. a band that might only take a few votes off Megadeth. Creator it, they're not they're not here by accident they've taken dark mm. angel with them they've taken nuclear assault with them haven't mm. they so they certainly have so they could easily take megadeth i uh, yeah absolutely so yeah it's a really tough one because i'm thinking megadeth in their prime absolutely some of their records are flawless but around that time as well creator were not far behind again they made that was their peak of their career as well and they were absolutely brilliant albums so not far behind metallica and some will argue they're above the early metallica uh, megadeth stuff but then when you get into the 90s megadeth dropped right away and there is only one band in this particular fight that's creator and then coming back to from two well, sort of mid noughties up till now, they're both on a par, really. Yeah, that's where the well, again, it's how do you how do you how do you vote? Mm. 
Is it the, the festival? Is it your favourite album head-to-head? Is it the consistency? Mm. Is it your favourite player in the band? Is it your favourite frontman? I don't know. A really difficult one. That is going to be a great round to have. Looking forward to that one. You, you know where you're nailing your colours to that mast again? I'm unsure with that one. It goes backwards and forwards. I'm thinking of certain albums by one band, and I'm going, well, yeah, that some great stuff and, and some great memories in there and all the rest of it. And then I think of the actual body of work, and there's only one band in there. So I've really got to wrestle with myself and think, think about it. <laughs> I, I don't know is the answer. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Well, Rust in Pieces for me, Rust in Peace for me is, you know, one of the ultimate thrash metal albums. But other than Peace Cells and So Far So Good So What, that's kind of where I'm with Megadeth. Mm-hmm. Whereas Creator, looking probably in the past year, I've gone back to Coma of Souls, Terrible Certainty, Pleasure to Kill, Extreme Aggression is probably in one of my certainly in my top 15 thrash metal albums of all time. So you, you, you just look in there, I've highlighted four absolute great ones, and that's not even going into some of the more recent stuff that when we did the playlist I picked up mm. on and really enjoyed. And, yeah, consistency. I don't know. I really don't know. Interesting. We will find out weekend after next. Yes. So that brings us nicely to the last feature, which is what have you been listening to? So we, I posted this a few short hours ago and we got some great responses. <clears throat> Shall I go first? Go on then. Kedrick Pablo Poblo, our German... UK thrasher, but yeah. it's not UK, our German-German thrasher. Uh, yeah, our, our German-German thrasher. Listen to death for the first time in past days. One hell of a drummer they had on Sound of Perseverance. And Jamie Kinghorn, a bit of old, new, borrowed and blue this week. 1994 homework thrown in. He's had Roger Waters, us and them, Onslaught, COC, Deliverance, Reign of Fury, Exercise Reality, Machine Head, Burn My Eyes, and Catharsis, Blackstone Cherry, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea, Porcupine Tree, Octane Twisted, Pantera, Far Beyond Driven, and Pearl Jam, Vitality. Uh, Vi- Vitalogy. Yes. Um, uh, Graham Meldrum, listen to that bloody awful Death Angel cover. <laughs> Constantly all week, Graham. Cool. Yeah, wow, that is punishment. Scott Kinkella, Uncle Slam, say Uncle. Always had a copy on tape and I finally secured a vinyl copy. Brilliant album, great late 80s flashbacks listening to it. So did you ever find out if that was the band that had the band cover? Because it had the... vagina mm, on it, yeah. Don't... Don't know. Didn't I tried tried looking back and can't find because every time you put Uncle Sam in there, you just get the picture of 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 Uncle Sam, the American kind of wanted you sort of thing. So I'll have to do a bit more digging with that. Um, John Wig, the affair of the poisons, Hell Ripper, three minute warning, cremated, shovel butcher, hangover, and a farewell to kings by Rush. Hangover, shovel butcher, bangover. Bang. That's a great album that. Oh, he's put Hangover. <laughs> Never mind. Typo. Yeah, I, far be it from me to correct anyone. Uh, Melanie Campbell, Wolf Bastard, Graveyard Sessions, Graveyard Sessions, 2018. 
love its proper crusty DB and dark metal and does the job if you want short and shouty. And from short and shouty to long and only slightly shouty, kill switch engage atonement. Cool. Thank you, Mel. Darren Robb, uh, pounding the streets up in Scotland for us. I'm eight albums into the upcoming debut album thingy so far. I've done the big four, Exodus, Overkill, Testament and Death Angel. I've forgotten how good these albums are and they don't all get a regular play these days. So far, all eight have been fab and this is going to be a difficult thing when it starts. Thank you, mate. Yes, it will. Kevin Adamson. He's gone for Mordred, Fool's Game, Earth Crisis, Salvation of Innocence, A Bittery Cause of Death. It's still the best death metal album ever, he says. The Crown, Cobra, Speed, Venom, Martyr, Feeding the Abscess, uh, Dark Tranquility, Damage Done. And my recommendation would be Martyr. Uh, not as an easy listen, but as a great version of Brain Scan from Voivod, classic Dimension Atros. And uh, Martyr is uh, Daniel Mongrain uh, Chewy from Voivod's previous band. Oh, okay. Fair play. Hence the uh, Voivod kind of um, uh, comparison there. Uh, Tom Riley, I've been well off brand this week and pretty much just been listening to Idols, which I think is going to get a little bit of review from yourself. Well, might do. Dylan Jones out walking his dog. Of course, he's been listening to Prong Cleansing, the heretic, heretic, heretic. Here we go. Here we go. Go on. Order, all hail the order, testament, dark roots of earth, and tank, power of the hunter. Okay, Neil Coggins, new Nathrak and Link mainly. Okay. Bit of anal there. Graham Fuller. Now, Graham, I'm sure we met Graham before Slayer or during Slayer. Oh, okay, yeah. Long-time member, Graham. So yeah. Really, been listening to Fear Factory a lot this past week and also Plastic Power. Plastic Planet by GZR. Which has Burton C. Bell singing on it, I believe. Now, I've got to press this video because it's Rob Davies that has sent us a... Is it just a picture or just a video? Uh, Post Society Voivod, so a lot of Voivod. Uh, Sleaford Mods, uh, a song called Jolly Fucker. Um, Cold Storage, Possessed, Terror. Oh, and um, Pound Cake by Van Halen. Okay. PD, he's gone with Mordred Falls Game, Jeffro Toe Aqualung, War, America Must Be Destroyed, Kansas Monolith, Bathory, Bathory, Saxon Power and the Glory, and Wheels of Steel. Status quo from the makers of Judas Priest, Screaming for Vengeance, Van Halen 1984, Spandau Ballet, Journeys to Glory, Coroner, Punishment for Decadence, Cunt and the, Cunt and the, <laughs> the Cunt and the Gang podcast. Oh, Kiss, lick it up. Jimi Hendrix acts as bold as love. Oh, see, ev something for everyone, and that's fantastic, Pete. And I think he's been spinning them on the vinyl. I think he's got a new record player. Um, Asa Henry Jones, Hell Ripper, The Affair of the Poisons, Gargoyle, Gargoyle, side project of David Davison from Revocation. It's like a mix between Voivod and Alice in Chains with some weird prog elements thrown in for good measure. Uh, is it in theory, uh, Sunless Realm, a bit of anal nathrak, Seleucus, Ultraviolence, Revocation, the Black Dalai Murder, and Archspire. Chris Jennings, Mr. List, New Lick, Heathen, Gaeria, and Hellripper. Okay, I'm just making a note of something. 
Another mention for Hell Ripper. Another mention for Hell Ripper. Mm, interesting. Uh, Tim Finch, new releases from Spirit Adrift, Venom Prison, Tommy Lee Solo, Temple of the Fuzzwitch, plus Ghost, Raging Speedhorn, Amonomath, and more. Podcast, our very own podcast. Thank you, Tim. Damnation versus uh, episode 10, final episode of this season. Razor's Edge with Gordon from Raging Speedhorn. The Tasteless Gentleman in uh, episode 153. And just fresh after watching Odin sculpt his own. Yeah. Neil Bolton's going for Van Halen 1, 2. Women and Children First, Diver Down and 1984. He's gone for Hell Ripper, The Affair of the Poisons, Mordred Falls Game, In This Life and The Vision EP. There you go. And uh, it's no surprise that Neil hasn't gone for Van Halen 3 as much no as... Surprise, no. no surprise, because it that doesn't come after Van Halen 2. That's much later. <laughs> and that's the one where the singer of Extreme were on there, singing oh, on it. Gary? Is it Gary Sharon? Yeah, I think it is Gary. So if he really does want to strip Odin's beard right down to the very depth and take a bit of skin off as well he can have a listen to van halen three uh paul hutchins raises edge review incinery uh reaper uh benediction voodoo six musipedia of metal reviews cranial separation um armored saint artillery he's gone for some live streams by armored saints uh, others are 84 Research and UK Thrash Top 10 Preparation because uh, Paul is doing a top 10 for us. Uh, Bolt Thrower, he's got Manic Street Preachers, he was talking about, the Holy Bible. Um, Corrosion of Conformity, Caius, uh, Machine Head, Testament, Emperor, Zentrix, Bury the Pain, Raven, uh, Onslaught, Iron Maiden, Killers, Black Sabbath, Master of Reality, Van Halen, Greatest Hits, and the Black Sabbath Daily. You always get that in. Thank you, mate. Neil Brannigan Fuller, still enjoying the new Solitary album, also the new Incinery album, Hollow Earth Theory, who are on my podcast Friday, if the tech doesn't fuck up again. And some new Merseyside prog thrash from Reaper with Stranger Than Fiction, all of which are on the review copy, plus still listen to Rob Holford's Halford's biography and associated dabbles into the priest back catalogue, as well as a bit of Van Halen post the news Eddie Van Halen passing, the new Hellripper album. I think that's four for Hellripper now. Four for Hellripper. Satan early rituals and of course Mordred. Nice one, mate. Um, Mark Smith, following the sad news of Eddie Van Halen, I've been hammering Van Halen and a bit of Wasp while reminiscing. Gareth Pugh, Armoured Saint, Punch in the Sky, Artillery, The Last Journey, Reign of Fury, all of them, Incinery, Hollow Earth Theory, Rush, Caress of Steel, continuing the song-by-song listen, Hazard, Misleading the Evil and Delirium, Hell Ripper, that's five, The Affair of the Poisons, Death Angel, The Evil Divide, and that cover version, and Tremonti, Dying Machine, and Quarter Eyes, and he's also the Black Sabbath Daily. Mm, the man who, the man from Del Monte, he say yes. Uh, Henning Petersman, who is Bloodvale. Bloodvale. Uh, best of Primus. Hell, those guys are damn crazy. And justice for all. But a version, uh, a version with bass. Thank you for that, mate. Hey. 
Stewie Mansell. He says, this week has consisted of Mordred, Lamb of God, Stewie Mansell, dying fetus and ingested. Now, he likes his heavy stuff, he does. So it's uh, interesting that he's gone for a bit of Lamb of God there. Lamb of God. Wonder what, wonder what album it was. Um, Andrew Matthews, uh, Scarred by Truth, again, New Napalm Death, Slayer's early back catalogue. Peter Crane, the new heathen, Empire of the Blind, plus old out heathen albums too, and a bit of Ailstorm's daft but brilliant Crystal Coconut, Mordred Fool's Game, Death Angel's Evil, Evil Divide, and of course Van Halen. Okay, let's. There's a there's a few in here that I'm not going to attempt, but I I he's done me over here, Richard Oliver. Uh, the Oceans Collective, uh, Wild Run, Death Haven, Grave Pleasures. Uh, is it Harriet? Uh, what was that? Sorry, Patriot. I think isn't that Zetro's other band? Oh right, the Days Onto Darkness. Okay, it starts with he's put it as a H. Is that a, 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 a typo then? No, I think it is Hatriot. Hatriot. Oh, sorry, I think it's said Patriot. Okay, uh, Brother Fire Tribe. Well, that sounds interesting. Uh, Napalm Death. Um, the Atomic Bitch Wax. Fin <laughs> Troll. Pain of Salvation. There's a band I'm not even... There's a couple of bands I can't do, otherwise I'll just get rinsed for it. Uh, Paradise Lost, Kiss Crazy Nights, Ocean of Slumber, Skeletal Remains, Lick, uh, Heathen, and Gargoyle. There's a few in there that you could pick out, I'm sure. There is a few. Persecutor, Permanent Winter. Thank you. I'm just going to like both of those. Uh, Jean-Francois Coleria. Marta, thank you for that, mate. Uh, Richard Balazowski, Visigoth, Sellsword, Def Defied, and Old Overkill. Thank you, mate. Rich Tricky Hudson, Testament Slayer, Clutch Anthrax, Ectus. The last two in prep for the other quarterfinal. Maiden, Priest, Thin Lizzy, Overkill, Blue, Oyst Blue Oyster Cult, Sabbath, Mordred. My own stuff as I'm trying to mix it and get my head around some of the new plugins I've got. Okay, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I follow Rick on Instagram and he often uploads videos of his guitar playing and uh, it sounds really, really good. So if and when Rich does get the pre-orders out for some new music i'm the first there buying it on vinyl rich so make sure you press it off <laughs> there you go splatter vinyl please yeah tom gates blood incantation hidden, hidden history of human race i know it's not thrash but the album is close to genius other than that earth rock black ties of obscurity and masochist the sect and of course megadeth dystopia oh of course dystopia uh john deary not listened to much in the way of thrash this week but been listening to the wild hearts the almighty Diamond Head, Wasp, Thrashwise, Annihilator, Mordred, and Halloween. Okay. And George Fanaris, been listening to a lot of suicidal agency, agencies, angels, mainly Division of Blood and Divide and Conquer. Also been listening to Lazarus AD's Onslaught album, all great albums you can enjoy to start, uh, you can listen to, enjoy, please, start to finish. Great work. Podcast, Thank you, George. Thank you, mate. Um, Anthony Setshoy, new Heathen album. Only one listen at the moment. I've heard so far. What I've heard so far sounds good. Can't wait to give it a couple more spins. Uh, highly praised on this club, Anthony. And Brian, Brian D'Andrade. Last has, one. He has been listening to a lot of Old Slayer this week. Shona Mercy, Hell Awaits, Rain in Blood, and South of Heaven have all been on heavy rotation. Good on you, mate. Well done. And that 
is about that. So thank you again for everyone that's contributed. That's brilliant. Hope we've done it justice. Um, what are you going to pick out of that lot, mate? Well, I, I'm always looking for new podcasts, but this one, I've got to try this Cunt and the Kang podcast. <laughs> Cunt and the Kang, that does... Uh, from Pete D, so I, I do like a podcast, and I don't know what that is or or who it is, but I'm going to give that a go. Whether and yeah, I'm assuming it's a podcast and not a band, so I'm going to give that a go. But if it is a podcast, I better pick a album as well for a backup. Okay, and I'm going to go with Marta feeding the abscess oh. from Voivod's previous band. Cool. Um, I am, I'm interested. I forget who done the kind of little review, but they got mentioned a couple of times. Gargoyle. Okay. So I am going for Gargoyle. Um, and I'm just looking back through. Uh, Gargoyle. Who did? It got a few mentions. Yes. Oh, Asia Henry Jones. Gargoyle. Side project of Dave Davison from Revocation. It's like a mix between Voivod and Alice in Chains with other weird prog elements thrown in for good measure. So that sounds cosmic. Okay. So uh, you just go for one this week. I know you like to... I'm, I'm going for one. It was, um, yeah, going for one this week. While, while we are on the... Thank you to everyone that's commented on what they're listening to. But while we're on the subject of Gargoyle and Asa Henry-Jones, he of Belacor... Oh, yes. Asa he, I think he mentioned them in the D'Andrade years for 2010. That was my homework. Yes. Released in 2009, Asa. Oh, and yet it snuck in there and quite a few people did vote for it as well, independently. And, and I think it took seventh place as well, didn't yes. it? Yes. So, but that's what the D'Andrade years is all about, really. it's It's a case of... Get it in there. I mean, if there was a steward's inquiry, it would be thrown out. But, you know, it is what it is. And that was quite a tough, uh, quite a, a slim uh, between the, the the top ten anyways. And then there was a couple of running away with it. And then the rest were pretty much bunched together. So, you know, we'll forgive it, I think. Absolutely forgive it because um, doing my homework and listening to it, I was impressed, enjoyed it. It was a fairly melodic, polished death metal, Australian band, quite Swedish-sounding. But, yeah, nothing wrong with it at all. An enjoyable listen. What have you been listening to this week then, mate? They're an Australian Swedish. <laughs> 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 nothing wrong with it. Quite good, quite impressed. Released in, released in 2009, wasn't it? <laughs> um, Idols as well. They were the band that I picked up from what we were listening to, a band I've heard the name. Didn't mm-hmm. know what they were other than thought they were a bit of an indie band. Andrew Matthews was the the one that suggested, well, not suggested, but he had been listening to them, so I gave him a go. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought, not sure about this, that kind of slaves, heavy, indie, punky sound, but the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. It's got a real good uh, lyric kind of narrative going through. They're quite observational, social commentary going on, clever, witty lyrics. Enjoyed it. It was good, quite heavy. Probably the type of stuff that would go down so well at Reading and Glastonbury and probably the type of stuff that you go, fucking indie shit. Okay. But Bear that in mind. Quite enjoyed it. So, yeah, that's cool. that, that my homework. And um, other than that, I've been doing the Sabbath Daily. Yeah. Uh, Damnation Versus podcast with uh, Hayden Britland that Tim mentioned. Um, Maiden, Maiden's... Uh, 
debut album. Oh yes, yeah. You you sent me a picture of that. That was um, I was well tempted to give that a spin, but I had three other albums to go. That, that still sounds classic, doesn't it? Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful album. Um, I say beautiful. When I say beautiful, Transylvania into Strange World is just perfect, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. when those two songs, amazing. Anyway, Cult of Luna, Mariner, and Adorn to Fear. So, been listening to them. Enslaved, Possessed, Seven Churches. I think. Someone mentioned Seven Churches earlier, so yeah, I've, I've been listening to. I think it was Rob Davies on his his said Seven Churches. Yeah, and also Lords of Chaos, the audio book. So I, loads have been getting through there. So yeah, yourself. Uh, well, I'm just going to make a uh, a note of Hell Ripper. Is that our third band into the um, Omnium? I think it should be because. Other than tonight, where they were mentioned five times, I think we've heard them a couple of times on the in the club. Yeah. Um, Scottish band, didn't someone say? Oh, uh, well, okay, fair yeah. enough. Someone said they're possibly a Scottish band. Might have been Gareth said a Scottish band. So fair play. I'll have a listen. Uh, well, definitely give it a listen, um, and that will go into the Omnium with Virus and Accuser. So that's building up quite nicely. That's so. Um, what I've been listening to, um, uh, I've been doing a Razor's Edge review. Um, can't say too much about it, but the new Evil Dead album. So that's been long awaiting, long coming. Homework. I had three. Blood Tusami. That's got some. That's got some punch to it. That was probably the best one out of the three that I had for homework. Don't gasp, mate. Don't gasp. Blood Tusami was 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 thoroughly decent. Um, Hexinator was a bit. Sort of death metally, kind of black metally, that kind of vocals that I didn't really get on with. It was okay. I listened to all of it, and it was okay. Not really for me. And Anathema, I did like Anathema, but my opinion hasn't changed from when we went to go and see them. Really, except well, I, I, I really didn't mind them. You've got to be into a certain mood to listen to that. Um, and when I listen to stuff like that, I want it to sort of like totally immerse me, and I'm sort of in the middle of a void with it uh, a little bit like being in the sea you know where you can see the waves crashing above you and you're sort of like floating underneath it didn't really get that with anathema what i got was paddling around up to my knees quite happy and then every now and again a freak wave would come and sort of like soak your bollocks you go oh that's cold like that that's good um and but it just wasn't didn't follow through enough for me mm, for a minute there carl i just yes. see recall that you said blood tsunami were the better of the three choices and then anathema was akin to soaking your bollocks in a cold sea yeah so, i pick up something like that uh, yeah. <laughs> too well then you, you're, you're very astute mate yeah that's exactly what i did say fair enough, it's not for everyone it's quite a heavy quite a i think for those that like it they love it those that don't don't how profound of me how profound profoundly profound mate i've also got a couple of i listen to a bit of wardruner as well always like to, to chill out a bit of that classic album of the week club nickelback the one with that fucking rock star song on it god that didn't last long i tell you that and i tell you another thing that i stumbled upon i don't even know where i stumbled upon it um, or why but Miley Cyrus has done a cover version of Heart of Glass by Blondie at some um, – it's like a – it's like a, it was called the I Heart Festival when it was obviously all done under lockdown and everything. She has got 
the an amazing rock and roll voice and she attacks this song like a fucking lion it's unbelievable she really gives it some bollocks and even in the kind of karma bits she's absolutely her voice is just massive and the band are absolutely spot on the track sounds great her performance is brilliant and one thing i like about miley cyrus i mean she's i mean she's good looking but she always looks like she needs a good bath do you know what i mean you know she's a bit bit grubby I think that's what it is. Come into the sea, Miley. We'll have a we'll have a little bit of a bath and then we'll 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 do whatever. But you know, it's just but around the big demolition ball, hasn't she? Yeah, she yeah. But honestly, the voice is just incredible. You go and have a listen. It's only about three and a half minutes long, and it's uh, yeah, she's sure. she honestly she attacks. It's it's sort of like a cross. The way she attacks it, it's kind of not a hardcore singer, but it's virgin on that. She could do a damn good one if she wanted to. And in fact, that's what I want Miley Cyrus to do is just do a rock record, just straight up rock. It'd be, it'd be fantastic. Okay. And just going back to Nickelback, what, what was it that you struggled with on that one? Uh, well, I, in my review <laughs> for it, um, uh, I, well, I think they're shit. I don't like them. Uh, I think they're thoroughly decent people. I know, um, I've seen some interviews and he said Corey Taylor has been vile to Nickelback and I don't deserve that. You know, they're not vile. I just don't believe them. I just don't believe a word they say. We're talking about Rob Alford and the Judas Priest sort of thing. And when, when Rob Alford come out, it was almost like, Oh great. You know, there's, there's nothing. There's, I just don't believe a word Nickelback say. It's almost like they've gone, what, what's selling at the moment? What, 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 what's, what's good. Oh yeah. A bit of, bit of that yeah well we we can do a song like that let's do a song like that well do you like doing songs like that well that's fucking out of the just doesn't matter it will sell records and it will um and it will get us hits on youtube and and stuff like gets money in our pocket so we're gonna we're gonna do a song like that and it's all why would you fucking do that so the answer is the answer is i just don't believe them okay well what have you heard that do you like them no, I've never really, never really got into Nickelback, and um, I've just heard, like you, that they're thoroughly decent blokes on one of the Damnation podcasts. The guy Luke Bell, the uh, tour manager, I think, worked with Chili Peppers and Florence and Machine and Nickelback, and he, um, and he, the guy that was in Panic Cell, he's worked with them before, and he says they are just the nicest guys, the most down to earth guys, and it's always a shame that they get such a kick in mm-hmm. just because they're. Music is not liked by so many people, but I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, no, I, I can, I honestly say, I've, I've, I've seen them in interviews, and they're very engaging, very intelligent. They can obviously play production-wise, brilliant. I just, I just can't get on with them. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're giving it a go. Giving it a go. Giving it a go. And it's Van Halen three for the classic album of the week club this week. So that's going to be interesting. Of all the albums they could have picked, yeah, Gary Chiron. Gary Chiron. To anyone they could have picked tri- uh, a tribute to um, to Eddie Van Halen, they've picked that one. So that's the one with the guy from Extreme on, is it? It is indeed, oh, yeah. Right, okay. So that will be interesting to see what we got with that one. So I think we'd just like to sum up and just say thanks to everyone that's contributed, thanks to everyone that's voted, reviewed, commented, and um, I hope this podcast paid tribute to the last week. The club seems really buoyant, actually, at the moment. It's great, isn't it? It is. There's, there's just loads going on at the moment, and, and all the members are really um, mm. 
sorry, really active in, in the club. And it's just fantastic that so many people are, are joining in. Mm. Absolutely. Through these tough times, it's great. So uh, long may that continue. And I enjoy interacting with everyone as much as I can. I Honestly, if I, I'm trying to reply to as many and, and respond to as much stuff as possible. I read loads. I read, you know, if I read 90%, it's 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 more than that. Um, but I, I just can't reply to everything. So apologies for not replying, but I do try and interact with as many posts as I can. Exactly, yeah. We can't – sometimes it's just quite nice just to be able to sit back and, and let people kind of have their own interactions as well, isn't it? Fantastic. Yeah, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. So – Final words. What have you got for me, Robbie? Unless there's anything you want to add, of course. No, just again, thank you very much to everyone that's 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 taken taken the time to comment on what we've been doing and what we are doing, and contacting myself and Carl for um, features and ideas for the club because you know we we don't want to keep bleeding the club dry of ideas, and it's great that people can, you know offer their their words cool cool you got some final do you got some final words i think i know what you're going to do actually go on then (laughs) my final words are um yeah hello this is carl um what were your early days in germany like